Wrestling Geeks everyone out there how you doing we're back the dinosaur story episode of wrestling geeks alliance uh we've been off for a little while uh you know and now we're back in a big way um and i'm looking forward to doing another show with my amazing co-host christopher brother ray Patton. christopher and sir Man, it's it's been a while. I feel like uh, the Rock and Roll Express has finally came back together, ready to rock this show. Uh, how have you been this week, man? How's your week going? Just chilling on the uh, the side of the ropes, like Ricky Mort or like uh, Robert Gibson, waiting to get tagged in. You know, just <laughs> hanging on there. Um, yeah, I've, I've I've been doing good. Uh, pretty easy work week. Um, not too much to say. Uh, just been watching some wrestling and. Uh, uh, you know, just just doing my thing. Yeah, about the same over here, man. Just busy as hell as, at, at work. I helped put in a hot water heater this morning. That's an adventure. But uh, yeah, just watching a lot of wrestling and excited to be here uh, talking to you and, and talking to all the listeners out there, I guess. Absolutely. Um, well, why don't we just start by saying, um, guys, I was on a show uh, last week um, with cool app or a cool new writer that we have at geek vibes nation you can find all of his articles about wrestling uh called tom clark um if you want to listen to his podcast he mainly mainly does um his main event show which is about wrestling uh you know usually covers wrestling from the week but uh go to tom clark's main event.com or dot l-i-b-s-y-n uh, libsyn.com and you guys will find all the shows you can definitely search it on google tom clark's main event for audi- other audio platforms he does a bunch of other content and now he's providing uh you know some articles for us uh, about wrestling on geekvibesnation.com he's got a bunch of different um credentials we're really happy to have him a part of this uh, i would say go watch the pre-show from last week over elimination chamber with me and him we did have a good show but it was a pre-show to a pay-per-view that's already passed. So if you guys want to check that out, definitely do that. If anyone is floating over from that show, um, I hope I did well. Uh, obviously, if you're checking out Wrestling Geeks Alliance, we're happy to have you. Uh, we're trying to get, um, you know, between our, our work schedules, all three of us, uh, you know, him on in the future. So we usually record the show. If you're new to us, we record it on Saturdays. Uh, sometimes we do two shows if there's a lot of content. But generally, it's Saturdays that we have up on Sundays. We record early in the morning. Well, I guess noon's not really early in the morning, but whatever. Um, but we'll usually have the show up the next day uh, as, as far as Tom's, who obviously have them uh, live. Um, so thank you guys for checking us out. Hopefully, we pass all the tests. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, really happy to have Tom part of the show. We'll try to get him on the show next time. And then Chris... We'll probably be going on his show in the future when we can work that out. Like I said, scheduling differences, everyone works, but we will figure it out because we all love wrestling, 
and me and Chris are happy to have another contributor as a part of Geek Vibes uh, writing some articles for us. Uh, Chris, um, did you get a chance to listen to uh, last week's pre-show at all? I did. I thought it was very, very entertaining. In fact, I listened to it back uh, today so that I could remember what happened on the Elimination Chamber, or at least the matches, because I didn't get a chance to rewatch it since I watched the pay-per-view. But uh, yeah, good shit, and uh, welcome everyone that may have came over to listen to us. We really appreciate it. And I look forward to talking to Tom. Seems like a really cool cat. Uh, and uh, I, I, maybe I won't be as nice as you were. You're a little nice. A little nice on that podcast, Dane. You know, just trying to put on a nice little uh, act. <laughs> <laughs> draw them in and then suck their life out on the show. No, nah, I'm just kidding. But, uh, you know, some of the cool things that we talked about, uh, one of the things that we were, you know, and I, I showed him a picture, um, just what exactly now that the whole Lacey Evans thing is done, what could be done with Ric Flair basically in WWE? Because at all counts from what we found out, he doesn't want to leave. I don't want to see him paired with Randy Orton. Um, Chris, did you hear some of our ideas? I, I I completely didn't think that the Miz was, you know, spoiler alert, that the Miz was going to cash in and have the title. But we were talking about what if he was with the Miz, you know, wouldn't it have been great back in the day since all of them had a lot of fondness towards each other if he was able to have like a group like with Bobby Roode, Dolph Ziggler, Miz Morrison, that obviously didn't happen. Or even if Adam Cole, now that he's done with the Undisputed Era, if they were to bring him up, Sean's ultimate protege, maybe underneath Ric Flair as your, you know, Nick Bockwinkle, uh, Bobby Heenan type of setup of two badass talkers to really perpetuate and get over any of the uh, stigmas of Adam Cole's, I, I guess, size, even though I think that it's not a non-issue. Um, did you like any of that stuff? Because we love the Nature Boy. And I hated seeing him berated, and I thought this last thing with Lacey was stupid. I'm glad that they completely nixed it on the last Raw. I thought him and Charlotte had a great back and forth on this last Raw, um, you know, and, and kind of had him exit out. But I'm sick of seeing Ric Flair get demasculated by Randy Orton and his daughter. I want to see him, if he's going to be on there, if he's going to be risking, you know, with everything going on, Rick's going to be Rick. Rick's going to want to do Rick. What would you like to see him step into next? Would it be a Miz? Would it be an Adam Cole? Someone we're not talking about? I thought it was an interesting conversation. I would love to see him get with Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode and maybe do something interesting there, which I think you guys brought up. Adam Cole would be my next choice. Uh, the Miz, not so much because he they already went down that path, like to the point where he taught the Miz the figure four. That's why the Miz has that in his arsenal. Uh, and it was very unsuccessful. It, I mean, The Miz is a, a good promo, so I'm not going to hate on The Miz. It's just he's not Ric Flair. Um, no. It's it's just one of those weird things. Like Adam Cole is a great promo, great in-ring athlete, someone you could bring to the main roster. You put him with Ric Flair. Maybe you bring some people from the Undisputed Era if you split them up, up in different ways, which they kind of teased a little bit. On NXT, not to jump ahead, but if, if you're going to split that group in multiple ways, maybe that's something you could do. I could see them uh, building your group with Ric Flair, much like Tully has a FTR. Not not a copycat. I mean, it is a copycat. Let's just be honest. But they could do something like that with Ric Flair and Ric Flair. Very Midnight Express. 
And he's more important than Tully, if we're being honest, if you use Rick yeah. correctly. So, yeah, I, c- I could see them doing something like that. But uh, the Miz thing, I-, I don't see that happening. And I'm not going to call Miz a transitional champion, but he is definitely just there as a speed bump up the road WrestleMania. Unless they're going to yeah. do some kind of weird three-way match at WrestleMania, which I hope they don't do because they're already, well, we'll get into it in this pay-per-view because I, I still am not convinced that Daniel Bryan is not going to be in this Roman Reigns match, <laughs> especially after he got fucked at this pay-per-view we're about to talk about. But uh, yeah, no, it's intriguing. I mean, there's a lot, of, like, like I said, I think when you guys said Adam Cole, that's the one that uh, – like hit the nail on the head to me. If you're going to put a guy with Adam Cole, they're both good talkers. Adam Cole kind of has a swagger about him. If even if you go back to the, uh, the Pat McAfee stuff and, and those promos and early undisputed error stuff. And if you split that group up, you could do something really cool there. Uh, you know, the one thing you guys touched on that I thought was very, very interesting in that pre-show was the CM Punk argument and conversation which you guys have the same reaction that i've had this whole time why the hell would he want to work for this company which made me laugh really hard never would think that he's ever going to come back to uh yeah i just to me to end up the adam cole stuff just ultimate dream scenario you know he comes out maybe Shawn michaels represents him uh, he brings out Rick. You know, this is on Raw or SmackDown, whatever the fuck they want to do. Um, you know, uh, Sean kind of presents them to Ric Flair and stuff like that. They get cozy. Maybe either that night, that same exact interaction, if you really want to speed it up, or you build to it where Rick's in his corner, you know, making them better, whatever. Uh, but if you have another interaction where Sean is with in the ring, kind of praising stuff, and Ric Flair... He's not over the past. He's not over the comments that Sean made uh, during the documentary that seemed very, very real in real life. And also the whole retirement thing. And then Adam Cole just super kicks his fucking mentor right in the face, one of the biggest baby faces in WWE. That could set off just as, as along with being aligned with Ric Flair, I think taken away from a lot of the stigmas that fans perceive that Adam Cole would face on the main roster. I, I think that if you did stuff like that, He's going to become one of the biggest heels. Yeah, he could get a little more jacked, but I just he's the same fucking size as Sean. I've seen them in pictures, so I don't I, I, I don't necessarily understand the disconnect. I wish he didn't eat all of that, you know what I'm saying? But it seems like he, if he were to have Rick in his corner, fuck over Shawn Michaels, it would do a lot to promote him towards people that don't know him from NXT and also those NXT people that hate him as a heel for the good reasons. Perpetuate it. Yeah, and when we get into NXT, he's kind of blazing a trail that sets up perfectly into that if they wanted to do something like that, which is which is kind of great. Uh, yeah, I totally agree with you. And also, the his size is not that big of a deal when you look at, like, Seth Rollins, who carried the title. Like, he's a little shorter, but they're kind of the same stature and have similar movesets. We just have to get over this idea of size in WWE. You, the, the 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 worst part about it is you still have people like Jeff Hardy who's six one or you know your Randy Orton's who are six two six three um, who are still these these giants of the old school. It, it's like when you see AEW and Billy Gunn gets in the ring, and you're like, oh my god, that dude is a giant. Um, but 
you can suspend disbelief for someone like Orange Cassidy. If you if you can get the guy over, right, it doesn't really matter. If you can get the fans behind a person or, or make the fans hate a person, that's all that really matters. Yeah, going back to the interaction last night, and I'll I'll, I'll make this go into the CMW or CMW uh, CM Punk uh, comment that you said. You know, last night we had Edge and Daniel Bryan, and they were kind of not really trash talking, but letting each other know that they're going to be a problem for each other if it comes to that. And Edge is way taller than than Daniel Bryan. I didn't see anything with Daniel Bryan that made him look lesser for being a couple fucking feet shorter than than Edge. He's still because of the way he puts off and the way that he acts in the ring, just as aggressive. That dynamic still exists, even if he's next to Edge. That's you know quite taller than him. So I agree with you completely. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a little bit of that pissed off bulldog mentality. Just because exactly. you have a, just because you have a German Shepherd doesn't mean it's going to beat a pit bull in a fight. You know, the dog may be bigger. It's it was it's not the it's not the uh the, the what's the size of the dog in the fight. Or whatever it's, that, it's, yeah, <laughs> that old idiotism. <laughs> that thing with the thing, the thing with the thing and the dogs. It's it's it's, it's the size of the the fight and the dog. There we go. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> it's true though. It's well, if we have the quote right, because me and Chris are both half asleep. Um. Yeah, and, and, and getting to what you're saying about CM Punk, the thing that we talked about, it, there's no possibility, especially based on this, the shit that he was giving Linda McMahon at the end of uh, Trump's presidency not too long ago, putting the uh, picture of, of, of Biden's head on his face, waving goodbye to Vince McMahon with the title. Uh, yeah, there's definitely bad blood there. I don't think he wants to work for Triple H or Vince. If, 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 and this always comes down to if, but it's a popular conversation because people love punk. Um, if he's going to do anything, he's going to do it with fucking AEW. And I know that he had some issues with the Bucks from text messages uh, and probably Tony, too, offering him whatever through text, whatever. The bottom line is how much money will you pay me? And given the fact, and we'll talk about the whole Paul White you know, situation. If you guys don't know who Paul White is, it's a big show. He's now at AEW. Sting, they definitely have the money, or I should say Tony's parents definitely have the money to be able to pay for CM Punk to come in. Uh, and it makes sense since he's a part of, like I said, he's going to be on heels. Uh, he's with Stephen Amell in Georgia. Uh, Cody is also going to be on that same show and is a producer along with Stephen Amell. Punk's always had a good relationship with with Cody. So if something were to happen, I would definitely think that it would be on that platform because there's a lot more people that he can play with. A, a interaction with Cody right off the start would make a lot of sense. Punk comes in. You know, you hear cult personality. One thing that's good for Punk, both songs that he had, they were actual mainstream songs. So they're not licensed to WWE. So he can come back either one and fucking make an impact. Um, and he calls out all the stuff with Tony and, and, and Cody. Like, you guys said you're going to do this. You fucking did it. Like, call out some of the stuff that he would from that character and kind of have him on that egocentrical, borderline, babyface heel, like when he dropped the pipe bomb. Go back to that concept. There's plenty of people. He named five people. And there's a reason for this. Why is he paying attention to AEW? I, I feel like there's a reason for it, at least. 
when asked, you know, do you see any potential? And he specifically decided to say, if I were to go against anyone there, it would be Darby Allen, Will Hobbs. I can't remember all the other the other three people that were on that list. None of them being Kenny Omega or Cody, but him saying that if he were to be there, he'd want to enhance them and make them better. That would be his number one thing. And I got to admit, even though he's with Sting, the concept of CM Punk maybe getting in Darby's head and even having him turn on Sting would be a lot of fun as well. So who knows? I'm never going to fucking put that much into Punk coming back. He doesn't have to. And like I said on the show, if he were to come back, I would hope that maybe AJ Lee would want to, if not be a producer and a coach, actually come back and help out that women's division as well. I wouldn't just want him because I think she's excellent as well. So uh, I rambled on a lot. What, what do you think? I, I think all of those matchups that he listed out he would want to have are great. The one that I would want to see him in is him versus Eddie Kingston just because I want the promo battle in the brawl. I, if I'm being honest, that would be the one that I would personally want to see him in. That being said, he did sign a three-year deal with Fox outside of a or outside of WWE as like some kind of weird broadcasting correspondent when they were doing that weird show on Fox. So I'm not sure that he would even be available if he wanted to be without them releasing him from his contract. And that's something that people haven't been talking about because I know he's been showing up and doing these training camps and stuff. But if you remember, if you go back to our show, God, I guess it was about a year ago, whatever they started that Fox TV show that eventually died off. Um, talk. It wasn't talking smack. It was, it was something similar with Renee Young. She was one of the hosts and CM Punk was like a guest uh, co-host on there. He, he's not actually signed by WWE. He was signed by Fox to a multi-year deal. So I don't know when that deal expires and, and what that would allow him to do and not allow him to do. But I would assume Fox, you know, putting on you or putting on uh, SmackDown every week wouldn't necessarily want CM Punk on the other product. That's a very good point, and we don't know the contract stipulations since the show was done. Um, he was supposed to be, I believe, originally on the pre-show uh, for Fox for one of these pay-per-views. I forgot, maybe it was Rumble, and WWE requested him to be taken out of it. So he probably does have some time on a contract. Obviously, we're a year in, so maybe two more years. I didn't think about that. But if I were to say what if, I will throw out, I love the idea of him and Eddie Kingston. I do. I think they would have great interaction. I think him and Ambrose, as far as a big profile type of comp, him and Moxley, I mean, God, that's still, um, would, would, would be also a situation that would be a lot of fun, him and Cody. But the whole the, the concept of him and Darby is very interesting, intriguing to me. Because if this, Chris, if this were to happen in the next two weeks, Punk shows up or whatever. He goes after Cody, whoever, makes his big first profile feud and then builds himself at backup as a character, has a match. If he were to go after Darby Allen, I would, and this is completely fantasy booking, this is something that we all do, and I'm known to do a lot. If I were to do that, I would actually have him, you know, either try to gain Darby in a match or something, or maybe even get in Darby's head. Darby, maybe if he doesn't screw over Sting, maybe CM Punk does, and Darby still sides with Punk. And then 
You get Sting to go back to the Stinger, and who does he go after as someone to help him out against Darby and Punk? Scorpio Sky. And now you have Scorpio and Darby going for the TNT title. Scorpio's a huge Sting fan, if you couldn't tell from him doing the Scorpion Deathlock and, and a million things. Uh, and you get the old Stinger, uh, the old look, uh, with you know much more akin to how he was before the gloomy Crow Sting. The return of the Stinger uh, backing up a Scorpio Sky against a CM Punk um, Darby Allen situation. And there's no power bombs to Sting. That would be my biggest stipulation and all that. <laughs> he took that power bomb like a fucking champ, though. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't get to talk about this, but our boy Sting is out here actually wrestling, taking bumps. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, it was amazing. He took that so flat back and perfect. Look at him. He's amazing. I love Sting. Um, yeah, no, I, all, all kidding aside about the Sting powerbomb situation, which is scary, but obviously he felt ready to do it, so good for him. I, I know he's been rehabbing his body a lot, so that makes me excited about the match he's going to be in. But if I was going to bring in uh, CM Punk versus Darby, I would have Darby finally kill off the rest of this Taz team, and then CM Punk just shows up and... Uh, you know, grab Sting, hits him with the, uh, was it go to sleep GTS in the center of the ring and just looks at Darby and then runs over the, the barricade. And that starts off their feud where you get really great CM Punk promos and really, really weird Darby Allen vignettes. Yep. How do you like, because he's going to be there for a while and he wants to elevate other people. Just regardless, how would you like a Sting Scorpio Sky pairing? I think that would be awesome. I mean, they got to do something with Scorpio Sky. I think he's one of the most underutilized guys. And this is from someone who doesn't watch a lot of Dark. I know he's on Dark a lot, but he's not a guy that should be on Dark. No. Uh, in in my opinion. He is basically the ricochet of AEW, except he yeah. doesn't catch a bunch of fucking losses. Like, he is the highlight of a lot of matches he is in. I don't know how they're not utilizing him better. Utilize S utilize Scorpio better, and I know he's tied up into SCU and and they're building that storyline, but they're not even building that on the main product. So I don't. I, he was he dressed in a bear costume like a month ago. I think that's the last time I saw him on TV. Oh God. Uh, yeah. But I will say. Uh, you Scorpio Sky. Let's uh let's move on because we have a lot to talk about. I want to go over some of these news articles. Uh, but yeah, if Punk comes back, Punk comes back. That's really what it comes down to in all this. Uh, our first news item is not a happy one at all. Um, wanted to take some time uh to recognize Josepha or Josephus uh the question mark uh A.K. Uh, Joseph Hudson, he had passed away. We don't know the full details, but it's um, it's not good regardless. Uh, I know that there's been a lot of rumors. It's always going to go back to COVID. Um, I mean, we kind of dealt with that with the Brody Lee thing. We don't know. He went to the hospital. He didn't exit. The biggest thing is that he had child. He had a family. And, um, you know, Aaron Stevens... Uh, has been really adamant about just sharing stories. And there's a lot of guys from NWA and just past wrestlers that 
said some really nice things about him. If you guys didn't get a chance to watch NWA Power, uh, that's where he was doing most of his big stuff. Uh, he first had a big altercation with Nick Aldis before NWA Power on their uh, uh, road or um, 25 pound or 28 pounds, whatever the name of it, uh, the documentary series. And he had like this dark, weird cult leader gimmick. Um, he switched back and forth from that to the question mark uh, that he did a lot of stuff with Aaron Stevens and um, just uh, really sad loss. Uh, there is a GoFundMe that Chris Jericho's page and a lot of other people were, um, you know, putting out there. Just search Joseph uh, Hudson and uh, basically his, his funeral expenses and anything else will be kicked back to his family going forward. He's got a 10-year-old son that really, you know, is the main primary person this would go towards. Really big of Billy Corgan to make this very public uh, I know that he's contributing a good deal towards it. Uh, just a big loss, and also in in general for the NWA, a big loss to them, um, along with everything else that's going on. But that's minor compared to the fact that this man's life is gone. So uh, from the stuff that I got to see from him in NWA, he had a lot of uh, potential. He had been wrestling for a very long time, but more in a mainstream sense. And I like the stuff with the question mark. He was becoming way over more so than they anticipated on nwa so just from geek vibes uh nation and also wrestling geeks alliance uh we salute you and uh chris any words before we do our 10 second salute wow i hadn't i i must have missed this passing and i uh i apologized to everyone out there this one hit me a little bit by surprise uh man that's really really sad um Sending prayers and thoughts to his family, obviously. I really loved the feud he had with Tim Storm, 10 Pounds of Gold, like you mentioned, um, where he was more of the cult leader. That's probably the most I've seen of him. I did like the question mark stuff, but if I had to go back, I, I really loved the gimmick that he had against Tim Storm. And uh, just, wow, too, way, way too soon. And uh, I, I thought that that guy had such a great gimmick and, and was really solid in the ring, especially working with Tim Storm and Nick Aldis. Um, yeah, that, sorry, it just hit me a little hard because I hadn't heard or seen this until just now. So sorry if I'm a, a little bit of loss for words on this one. Yeah, um, very unfortunate. I'm, I'm glad that a lot of uh, wrestlers like, like Jericho are bringing to light this. And uh, thanks to the 407 donators, They've raised almost uh, thirty thousand dollars for his family. So um, their 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 goal was fifteen thousand. So this is awesome. People are great, and this is one thing out of a tragic situation like this that the wrestling community, wrestlers, fans alike, uh, producers, whoever, uh, owners will get together and really work together to help out uh, a situation like this. So uh, rest in peace, Joseph Hudson. We'll give you ten seconds. All right, let's move on uh, to something a little bit more uplifting. I wanted to kind of I, – I like that this is this is a, a conversation piece that I'm definitely going to be checking out from S1 Wrestling, uh, speaking to 12 wrestlers across the industry about matches that made the biggest impacts in their career 
and then kind of talking to the wrestlers themselves that were actually in that match uh, as a response. It's something that you uh, messaged me in the morning, and it was a fun little number uh, to find out that uh, Kazuchika Okada was praising Shawn Michaels and Chris Jericho's match at WrestleMania 19, which is one of my favorite matches between the two. They've had some amazing ones. That ladder match later on in their career was another incredible one. But this one, uh, I remember watching this, especially at the end where Chris Jericho, notably crying because I think that emotions actually did overtake him. But just, you know, knowing the hug and him and, and Sean probably saying some good words and then Chris Jericho being like, all right, I'm going to kick you in the dick now. And him backing up and just being heel Jericho and kicking Shawn Michaels right in the balls uh, and tell him, you know, flicking him off, telling him screw you and then walking out the way that he does. Apparently that really, uh, you know, uh, he was uh, Okada was, uh, you know, training with Ultimo Dragon for a uh, certain amount of years. Uh, that was his main mentor. And he would watch that, you know, over and over again. Uh, and, and learn a lot from what the two of them did throughout that match. And then it was brought up to uh, Shawn Michaels, and he said, I'm so uh, incredibly appreciative of that. I've always uh, admired the style in Japan, and here's a guy that admires my style. Someone once asked me how Okada would adjust if he were to ever go to WWE, and I know the answer to that. He'd adjust, he'd adjust uh, fantastically because he's a fantastic talent. It's like me, people would say, well, you only wrestled in the WWE, but I could have wrestled anywhere. When a guy is talented, he's talented. So I'm thankful that Okada, this unbelievably talented young man, gained one or two things from any of my matches. So just nice stuff. Uh, definitely check out uh, the article where they break down the conversations between you know people, uh, what match inspired you to some of the younger talent, and then asking some of the older guys that were involved in those matches what they thought of that. Um, I'm not gonna. I don't. I, I don't know how much stuff Shawn Michaels has personally seen of Kazuchika Okada, but being someone that works, you know, at NXT the last couple of years, especially with Triple H, I know Triple H knows who the fuck Okada is. I'm sure they've seen some stuff uh, from him. So that was uh, that was awesome to hear. I know from interviews, Okada's talked about obviously your Fujinamis, your uh, Kenta Kobashis you know, Jushin Ligers, guys that influenced him from Japan, but three people that def that he definitely said influenced him from over here were Shawn Michaels and two of his biggest competitors. At the beginning half, Bret Hart and Kurt Angle, which I think he considers his number one uh, influence uh, over here. That's why he does the triple suplex, a little, you know, nod to, to, to Angle. But uh, Shawn Michaels, arguably my favorite wrestler of all time, especially in the past. Okada, arguably my favorite wrestler of this generation. And it's cool that they had some interactions. I appreciate you sending that to me this morning, sir. Yeah, I just read it and I was like, man, Dane has to see this immediately. I was like, oh my God, our favorites are talking to each other. <laughs> uh, no, all, all joking aside, it was just, a, it's always a really cool moment in, in any sport or any art where you can see someone directly influence someone, where, where you get to see that lineage, whether it's a song or, uh, you know, a certain brushstroke and a, a painting or, or wrestling in this instance. acting performance it, it's so cool to me and i thought that was just really really cool because you don't hear okada talk a lot about american wrestling 
I mean, it happens every once in a while if you kind of drag it out of him. But uh, in this scenario, I think this was a Sports Illustrated article. So there are other interviews on that one, but that was the standout one. And it's Sean, so you never know what kind of reaction you're going to get out of Sean. And he was like, hell yeah, dude, Okada, am I right? <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, like if Sean had never seen like a bunch of Okada matches, I guarantee you he saw one which was Okada versus Omega one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he, he knows the guy could fucking work. So to hear Sean say, it, it's almost like a good, good, good job kid or something like a tap on the back. Like uh, to me, Sean is one of the most incredible wrestlers in the ring. I don't think anyone would disagree with that. Like rope to rope, uh, minute to minute. Sean is one of the best of all time. And not just uh, it's not just technical wrestling, it's storytelling. It's the whole nine. Uh, when he goes in there 100 percent, Sean is is maybe the best of all time. And uh, Okada is dipping at those heels. So to hear that Okada is like, man, I saw that Jericho Shawn Michaels match and I was like, I need to get good. <laughs> basically was amazing because it kind of shows you the dedication that he has to the craft, uh, you know, being a Japanese wrestler and looking at something like that and be like, man, I want to get there. And, and Sean appreciating that and be like, he's got talent. Okada is better than like, I would say 95% of the people on that roster in ring. You might be able to say like AJ Styles or Daniel Bryan. Um, yeah. So for Sean to come, you know, like for Sean to be like, yeah, he's pretty fucking talented. I think he could work the WWE style. That was the part that made me laugh because I feel like that was a tongue in cheek. But when you read it, you know, in an article, it doesn't really feel tongue in cheek. But if you have listened to enough Sean interviews, you know, that was kind of like Sean being a dick joke. Kinda. He's like, oh, I think he could do WWE style. That's how that's how I read it. Like, would Okada be able to do WWE style more so? Would WWE be able to incorporate Okada's style with their fucking one-way style? Because, you know, Okada would be able to do great with NXT style. We always see how that's manipulated on the main product. And even though, I will say, Raw and SmackDown, and I, I think they did this strategically, their matches have gotten more competitive, better. They have least of an less of an impact, I would say, because of the outcomes of a lot of them or, but the actual match quality bell to bell has gotten better on both shows. And NXT has gotten a bit watered down ever since they were on USA and got writers involved that Vince made them do that. Um, you know, it's, it's true that let's just, let's just be honest. I mean, it's not that they've been talking about this on observer. This is another situation. Uh, if Okada is going anywhere, uh, He'll be taking a break with New Japan and probably showing up on AEW, I would assume. Yeah, I mean, that's smart money. And that's, I mean, Tony Khan is investing in the future right now. He's stacking as much talent as he can in different promotions and making that working relationship. He's he's going the Xbox method. Remember when PlayStation yes. was like, there's no cross-platforming at all? He's doing the Phil Spencer Xbox method, where it's like, oh, we will cross-platform with you guys. <laughs> so we'll see which one works out in the end. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Okada versus Omega, that's the money match. I mean, the only other thing I could see is Okada versus The Rock or Okada versus John Cena, which, 
it really Tanahashi versus John Cena would be the one that I would, if you're going ace versus ace Ugh. during the time period, which would be absolutely incredible. I mean, there's a lot of really cool shit Okada could do in WWE. Like if he showed up and just immediately killed uh, AJ Styles or something, there's a lot of cool storyline. Okada's just, he's that guy and he doesn't need to talk. He just needs to come out. You could, uh, we, we talked <laughs> about someone earlier, uh, Kenny and Dave Metzler, and a lot of people have said, bell to bell, Okada is the modern Ric Flair, being able to go for an hour flawlessly. Man, if he shows up on Raw and you were to put Flair with him as his talking piece, his fucking Paul Heyman, if you will, and actually let Ric Flair cut promos, Ric Flair-esque, yeah, instantly fucking big star, big deal. Yeah, but I mean, you know, I don't think Okada has said in interviews that he likes being. I'm what it what was the exact quote he said? I like being a big shark in a little pond because I'm going to turn the motherfucker into an ocean. Is essentially what he said when he was first became the New Japan champion, which is such a great quote because he did grow that company so much. But it's you know. There is WWE, though, <laughs> at the end of the day. Like, maybe he does want to get yeah. his name stamped on a WrestleMania, because if he did that as a New Japan champion, he would be the only one to do it. And if he could talk them into doing that, he would be the like only person. Gaijin. He would be the only New Japan heavyweight champion to ever be part of WrestleMania. Like, if he could line that up, that would be so huge just because it would never happen again. And he's going to well, be that, the only person that's even close to ever being able to work out a deal like that. Yeah, I'm just saying you're talking about like non-Gaijin because AJ Styles obviously has gone to WrestleMania. You're talking about like straight from the, you know, the uh, what the fuck is it called? The dojo, New Japan, Japanese person coming over here and actually fucking going straight to the top. Oh, I meant with the title. Oh, like, actually having the IWGP fucking heavyweight title? Bringing the title over. He would be I mean, the if, only uh, person they would trust with that, and he would be the only person to do it right. And that would be such a huge moment in both American wrestling and Japanese wrestling. It's happened in Florida. They've had, you know, Rick, the NWA champion versus the, the, uh, the IWGP champion before with Flair. Fujinami and Flair, right? Yeah, so that's happened, but it's never happened on the WrestleMania stage. Jesus. <laughs> Which is like the Super Bowl uh. of things you could do. I mean, if you want to be like the best at the craft and, and walk out immediately out of the ring and know you're the Hall of Famer, like that's what you do. But, you know, he can go and have those great matches with Omega and AEW and, and you know, I'm sure AEW is going to continue to gain fans. It's going to it's going to build and build the the fact they have working relationships with other companies. I, to me, it's just you got to save Okada. You can't pull the trigger on that too soon. You already need that company to be bubbling, you know, before you bring him in. Uh, and, I'm uh, going to say, oh sorry, no, go ahead, go ahead. I'm going to say, man, if, if it's going to happen to AEW, if, if these rumors are true and it looks like they could definitely be happening sooner than later, I'd fucking put Okada. Kenny beats John Moxley in this ridiculous, explosive barbed wire match, which we'll talk more about. Um, and right after the end, Moxley's in a pool of blood and 
Kenny's holding the title up, barely can stand, and then Raymaker's music comes on. Okada just comes out, gets in his face, smiles, and then what? You know, walks away while Omega's fucking flipping out in the ring or something like that. He doesn't even have to physically harm him. Just goes out, makes his presence, lets him know basically without saying anything. I'm gonna have that fucking title. I'm taking that from you, like you took the IWGP after fucking a million times going back and forth. You finally got the title for me. Well, I'm gonna take your fucking title. And that's all they would have to do. And Okada is to the moon, as Mr. Uh, Cameron Grimes would say. Yeah, I I, I will say this uh, based on last night's victory over. Uh, spoiler alert. So earmuffs, if you're listening to this. Uh, Mr. Okada be evil, and he said he's going for the IWGP Cup and straight for that championship. Ooh. And, hell's, and hell's coming with him. So we're looking at way down the road if he's going to be the – it seems like they're pushing him back to the title based on that. Um, he overcome – it like overcame multiple ref bumps. Togo got involved, and he still – he hit Togo with a spinning tombstone – he hit the um, God. What is his move? The money clip, and Evil got out, and then uh, he hit Evil with the most beautiful rainmaker of all time after overcoming the odds. And then his immediate promo was like, "I'm gonna win the cup, and then I'm coming for the title." And that was his whole promo, basically. So I don't know that he's gonna be showing up in AEW <laughs> anytime Damn. soon for you guys. Like, uh, but. That would be amazing if he did. I'm just, I just, I watched that this morning, so uh, I, I don't. Should we talk uh, about the other big thing off of that? Yeah, let's go ahead. Uh, one of our next news articles. Uh, we'll just, we'll just say with Okada, there's big things no matter what. I think he will be making a presence over at AEW eventually, but this is an awesome wrinkle because him and Kota Ibushi, guys, go back, put Tiger Mask W versus Okada from a couple of years back if you want to see how. Probably, and I've seen other matches with them, but that is the full potential of what they can fucking do in the ring, and I'm very much looking forward to that feud, whichever way that goes. Um, but on the same pay-per-view, John Moxley beat Kenta for the IWGP US Championship. So Mox still has it. I think now with the confirmed uh, partnership or at least interaction with New Japan, just like last time, I would be carrying that title to the ring like he did on Dynamite. And uh, that's uh, that's cool. That kind of shows there is even more so confirmed a relationship with New Japan and uh, AEW, uh, if we already didn't know that, um, just because of the fact they're keeping the title on him. If they wanted to get it off of him, Kenta was a good person to do that with, and they could have used even say Kenny Omega as a distraction person to kind of take away, uh, you know, Moxley losing, you know, if, if the person he's going against basically the pay-per-view for the AEW title, uh, distracts him and causes him to lose that to a fellow quote unquote bullet club member with Kenta, they had that out, but they decided not to do that. So, uh, pretty big stuff coming from, uh, that new Japan pay-per-view. Yeah, it, it's it's wild to me that he didn't drop the title, and he didn't show up with it on Wednesday. So I don't know if that was a last-minute decision. When he cut his promo, which we'll get into later, he didn't show up with the title. Did you notice that? 
Now that you mention it, yeah. And the week prior, he did. That is weird. So I don't know if that was a last-minute change or something they decided, hey, we're going to do this a little bit later um, or what. I mean, I'm still assuming he's going to drop that title. Hmm. So well, I, either way, that's that's an extended relationship, at least still. I mean, that still builds more so to the fact that AEW and New Japan are working with each other, which Tony makes Con- sense. Tony Khan was on uh, Wrestling Observer Live last week, and he was talking specifically about how crazy John Moxley's work schedule was when he was doing both New Japan and AEW at the same time. Like, he was flying to Japan and then back to do TV and then back to Japan. I can't even imagine. That has to be one of the most ridiculous schedules. He has to want to drop this belt, uh, at least meaningfully. I think as long as he can participate, since, you know, New Japan, obviously, over in Japan is having, at least they were having problems because of the pandemic, uh, compared to it being over here in the States, you know, where Kent is located, where their American side, Tamatanga, all those guys, you know, if he can do it actually in the United States, it's a little bit easier. But yeah, I agree. Eventually, he's got to drop that to someone. Yeah, and I mean, they have like two or three months to figure it out, or he's he's going to go on paternity leave. I'm assuming when his you know, his child yeah. is born. Speaking right? of which, speaking of which, do you think that we're going to find anything? Um, I don't know on the news about Renee Young killing, uh, Mr. Jonathan Good about uh participating in things and stuff like that, wearing himself out because I loved her interact or I love her interactive response to finding out live on television. Yes. Mox didn't tell her ahead of time. Apparently that's what she's saying, uh, that the pay-per-view stipulation was going to be a, an explosive barbed wire, uh, match, um, very accustomed to FMW, which I'm assuming Renee's only seen, a match from there because of Moxley, like, hey, hey, babe, come here, you gotta watch this, and her probably being completely like mortified by the aspect of a match like that back when Funk and and Pogo and and Fully were fucking just destroying each other, a uh, fake Leatherface or whoever the fuck in FMW Onita. Um, so yeah, I, 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 she's pregnant. She basically said online that if you guys put me in the labor, you know, you're. You're you're paying for everything. Like fuck this. Like <laughs> so, I love Renee Young. I think she's adorable. I would I would kill my husband if he was doing this to me while I'm pregnant. I, I can only assume the only reason she's not been brought into the fold is the 90 day holdover. How how long mm-hmm. has she been out of WWE at this point? I think she's been out with WWE, but it might be another situation like you were saying. If she has a Fox deal where she can only do something with Fox, does that inhibit her from being able to show up on AEW? Because she were, she had a contract with Fox. Because I, I believe she could... I don't know if she fully left WWE, but I thought she fully left WWE, and then Fox asked her to come on and do the show. So she might have the same stipulations that maybe Punk does, if well, there was, is any stipulations. Yeah, well, she was released from the WWE contract, but if she had a separate Fox contract, yeah. Yeah. I'm just it's just very curious she wouldn't be there because they bring like Rebby in and she would be the perfect like for Don Callis to get his hands on, especially as the pregnant woman. You know, like that's dastardly heel shit that would make John Moxley snap into crazy John Moxley. Not that he needs oh. any reason to snap, but that would be if the you had 
if he had his pregnant wife in the audience and just Don Callis came up and said, are you sure that John Moxley's the father? And she slaps the shit out of him. Moxley would go ape shit and want to kill him. That would be amazing. And that's all they would have to do. <laughs> yeah, you don't even have to do anything physical at all. You just have to be like, Don Callis looks at her funny. And Moxley's like, nope. <laughs> uh, this That match is going to be uh, great. I Man, I forgot what we were talking about now because I thought about how good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, nah, Renee Young on Twitter is amazing. Uh, I just I hope they do something with her in the future in AEW. She's a. Uh, She's probably a better candidate than Paul White for your YouTube show as an announcer. Sorry, well, Big Show. We'll find out with that, but that's that's we have that article coming out. We got one more news thing. It's a half and half uh, NXT thing. Uh, really exciting news that uh, reportedly, uh, you know, Triple H was getting uh, press stuff involved in the last takeover, and he went over uh, a little bit of what's going to be going on with uh, the other NXT show. It's going to be on the network, which was already confirmed. So basically, this is going to be like the old NXT show. But Gabe Sapolsky and Jeremy Borash are going to be running it. I'm assuming Jeremy more with production and Gabe more so with hands-on with the actual wrestlers like he used to do for Evolve and Ring of Honor before that. But it's supposed to be called NXT Evolve. That's going to be the name of the product itself. And um, there's a good chance they're going to be bringing back the titles from Evolve onto the show. And the show will be the younger talent themselves building up to be ready to go to NXT uh, while NXT keeps some of their more, you know, I guess legends, if you will, for whatever term that is. But, you know, your Tommaso Ciampa's, your Johnny Gargano's, your Adam Cole's, whoever are bigger names that stays on for a long period of time before they go to the roster. So it's a more of a feeder system in between, which essentially is what Evolve was doing beforehand for NXT. But now it's going to be a part of the network. Triple H is giving Gabe and Jeremy the reins to do what they have to do, which is awesome because both of them are great uh, or have been really great at contributing great content, um, either Gabe with the talent or Jeremy with the talent also production-wise. So I'm excited about this. I will definitely be checking this out. Um, I have to admit, there's 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 no, I I watch Dark, uh, especially if I hear like of a good match that was on it. But even with the addition of the Big Show, uh, Paul White, whatever you want to call him, I'm more excited about NXT Evolve than I might be excited about the second AEW Dark show, and even potentially might be more excited about NXT if it does go back to what NXT was before it got on USA. I don't know, but it's going to be interesting, and I'm excited that they're not killing the Evolve name, that they're keeping Gabe. It's just now going to be under, uh, you know, Triple H and WWE. What do you think about this news, Chris? Do you remember when Gabe Sapolsky retired, like, seven <laughs> months ago? <laughs> He was going to only be, like, on call, like he's Pat Patterson, you know, once in a while, like, if they needed his advice. Yeah. Yeah, right now he's, like, just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, man, I love Gabe. I think he'll do great there. I hope they give him Austin Theory for his first Evolve champion since he didn't really drop the belt. From what I recall, they just kind of disbanded the company. 
So give him Austin Theory. Let him build him on the network. Um, I I love the idea of just a one-hour NXT show with Gabe booking it because it'll be better than all of the talking heads that are involved in NXT right now. The writing, the producing, like we'll get into the show later, but this like the breakup of the Undisputed Era and the amount of times that uh, Adam Cole had to say, like specifically say the person's name was so soap opera, opera. it did not feel like wrestling. Um, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll we'll see. I I mean I I did I do like the storyline of the Undisputed Era. We'll, we'll get into the promo later, but uh, I like the storyline, but I hate it. I hated the promos. Um, yeah, but Gabe, you give him like. I mean, God, does he get to just pick whoever he wants from that roster? Like, could he take Isaiah Swerve Scott and be like, that's my champion? Or like, you know what I mean? Can he just pick whoever he wants? Because Gabe is like really good at talent. (laughs) That's like a lot of that roster. (laughs) Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about this. I think that Jeremy and Gabe together underneath Triple H with the same type of coaches that they already have so they're going to be going to your norman smiley's your Shawn michaels uh whoever's in you know just they're going to still be contributing their knowledge learning but you have the greener guys and also the guys that might have a lot of you know uh they might have had pass in the indies but don't you know know the the wwe style or can at least try to learn some more psychology uh within the ring this is a it's a good thing. I'm just like I said. I I hope that I don't end up liking this more than I actually like the real NXT show on USA. That's my biggest thing. <laughs> I think you. I think you might. I think it's going to be very different than AEW Dark because AEW Dark to me is here's a way for us to get talent to get time in front of the camera and yeah and, train. and see what they're like. Yes, it's uh, it it. NXT has become its own beast, its own TV show. It's not that anymore. And when I watch Dark and they don't bring down like SEU versus a random tag team, it's just two random people fighting each other. That's, I mean, that's why I don't watch Dark that often. So like Matt Seidel having 17 wins on Dark against random ass people, I'm not going to know about because it's literally him just like, all right, Matt, you're pretty good. Go work these guys out in front of the camera. It's like, uh, you remember Heat? WWE yep. Heat? Where you just have random or ass velocity. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like that to me when I watch AEW Dark for the most part. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I completely agree. It just, uh, it's going to be interesting, but this kind of ties into our second part of NXT. Uh, the recruits for the newest class, and I think you've seen uh, one of them. Um Zoe Sparks, I believe, came from this class. Uh, but the new NXT class, we're probably going to see some of these guys on Evolve, uh, or NXT Evolve, I should say, opposed to the actual NXT on on uh, USA. But uh, some pretty uh, cool names, I will say. Uh, Bronson, uh, Rick Steiner, who will probably go by Bronson Steiner. He is notably the son of Rick Steiner. He was trained by Rick and Diamond Dallas Page. Uh, within wrestling, he's been, uh, you know, a, a running back uh, for a very long time. Actually, at Kennesaw State University uh, is where he first started his football career. But he has decided to move on to wrestling like his father, like his uncle, 
And like I said, Rick and DDP have been training him uh, since he's made that transition. He's six feet tall, 230 pounds. Uh, I'm going to go through the whole list, Chris. Uh, we can talk about all of them individually. But if you do want to break in and say anything about a certain person, just interrupt me. Um, oh, I, I want to talk about the big bad booty daddy junior that's going to be on this list. <laughs> Those you, are two you, guys to, to learn from, man. His, <laughs> his dad, Rick Steiner and Diamond Dallas Page. Scott's fucking nephew. Yeah. Imagine the promos. Oh, my God. I hope his finisher is just the Frankensteiner. Imagine it, winning with a Hurricane Rana in today's wrestling. Could they, uh, could they get, like, Petey Williams to come out of retirement to get in a tag team with this kid? Oh, my God. That would be amazing. <laughs> I love Petey Williams so much. Uh, no, I, all jokes aside, I am super hyped on the Steiner signing. I'm also super hyped on uh, uh, another... Uh, well-known man, maybe from England, whose son uh, has stepped into the wrestling business. Yeah, and, and we will we'll get to that one next. Keep on going. They'll transition us. Uh, William Regal's son, looking like the lead singer of The Who. <laughs> Roger now, Daltrey? Yeah, he looks like Roger Daltrey. <laughs> What a dastardly looking guy. And you know he can shoot. I am so excited. I'm so excited. I've never seen him work. Very excited. Because <laughs> I another know he's reason, be good. Another reason to watch NXT UK. Uh, part of the same class. Uh, Bailey Matthews. Uh, William Regal's son has uh, just debuted over there. And he has been training uh, for, uh, you know, to get on screen. But yeah, really Really great signing. I'm very excited that William Regal's son is now a part of it. And even more of a reason to watch NXT UK. I try to get there every once in a while. They've gotten much more talented uh, people already on there, you know, and now adding some people like your Ben Carters, which is Seth Rollins' protege. You already have Walter. You already have Trent Seven, Tyler Bate. Um, you know, uh, I, I can't remember the Cruiserweight champions, but um, Finn Balor's guy. Uh, you know, just a, a great amount of talent, and now you throw in fucking William Regal's son. Which you just know is going to be good. Like, you just know he's going to be good. I hope he wrestles WCW William Regal style with one hand behind his back when he chokes out jobbers. Be hilarious. That would be so cool. I hope he just annihilates people. I want to see him just be <laughs> just like his dad. I really do. <laughs> Build up to like you know him versus like Walter would be great or God what is I can't remember fucking Finn's protege I really can't uh Tyler Bates Ildis no that's not Tyler Bates um God he's the cruiserweight champion um the actual cruiserweight champion uh, uh, yeah well yeah there you go the actual that's the problem yeah my mind's drawing a blank as well I'm sure if I, I I'm I'm trying to stall to be able to right out so hopefully this brings it right up all right the uh, champion come on what the fuck sorry this guys has, this is great this has, jordan this devlin jordan jordan devlin i was, I was an awesome say, match of ben carter late recently yeah i was gonna say this has to be the same conversation in their heads that they were having when they did not pick uh Ilya dragon versus Walter for best oh. match of the year <laughs> wol awards <laughs> oh god that's another Ilya's another one fuck yeah, man. Right. 
Uh, all right, so we also have uh, Kira, uh, Megan Foster, known to the fans as Taya Valkyrie, wife to John Morrison, 11-year veteran. She has completely won pretty much every female championship in Impact, in AAA. Uh, obviously, we know she's going to be big. Another person on that same level, past wrestler. Sean Ricker, known as Eli Drake, now L.A. Knight, which he's going to be able to do the same thing. You know, Eli Drake. You know, I I don't like L.A. Knight. I hate that they have to fucking repackage everyone. But regardless, I'm excited about these two veterans coming to NXT. I honestly think that Ty Valkyrie and even possibly Eli Drake could have gone to the main roster. Um, how do you feel about both of them being being a part of this? They need someone like Eli Drake as a heel in NXT, in my opinion, especially if they're shifting Adam Page out after this little run with Undisputed Error. Um, Taya Valkyrie, she could she could have went to the main roster. As long as she loses the earmuffs, I still don't understand what the fuck that's on about. <laughs> oh, Lord. But, yeah, I'm excited about both of them interacting. I think that, I mean, the women's division so... I was thinking about this. And it's no offense to Zoe Star or Zoe. Uh, man, I can't. We'll we'll get to her, but she she's the one who went against uh, Io Shirai. If you want to make an impact and have someone have a really long match with Io Shirai, I feel like you could have taken Ty Valkyrie out there and let her gone with her, and it probably would have elevated her and maybe have a fuck finish so that she doesn't lose it from whoever's going against Io afterwards. But that's not the way they went. Um, another big notable name, Angela Arnold. Uh, she is. One of Booker T's biggest, well, he says accomplishments, like he's put a lot of work in this girl. She's been in reality wrestling, obviously, and also in Shimmer. Uh, so she's coming over here. One name that everyone's talking about, Chris, someone that Joe Briscoe, Jim Ross, and Paul Heyman all on social media were just oozing over was Mr. Parker Bardot of uh, Winter Garden, Florida. He's 6'4" plus 300 plus pounds um he was an offensive lineman for the university of central florida he was a collegiate wrestler and uh with basically he looks like fucking brock lesnar with sleeves he's enormous um and uh he's caught the eye like i said of joe briscoe paul Heyman, jim ross and vince mcmahon triple h all of them see a lot of potential in this kid uh, can looking like Brock Lesnar get you that far, though? Like, it's all about actually having real wrestling skills. How do you feel about Parker, Parker's chances in NXT? That's impossible to, to judge. Does he have any amateur wrestling background? Yeah. Does he like? Yeah. Does he like professional wrestling? <laughs> he keeps on putting pictures of him and Brock Lesnar online, so I don't know. Maybe he's just <laughs> feeding into that whole entire thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, if, if you're just a really good football player, but you don't care, if you never grew up watching wrestling and don't care about it, and, like, I don't know. It's a, if you didn't act at all in high school. I mean, there's a lot of things that go into being a wrestler other than just being jacked. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's a, there's a big learning curve there. I will say um, he looks just like him, though. Like, holy shit. He's fucking, I'm looking at him right now. He's fucking jacked. I am excited for Angela Arnold because the last cat that Booker T put on the roster was Ember Moon. Yep. And she was absolutely amazing. So just 
just god he's a freak i could see why he would want to have like you know go to the gym against brock lesnar or go into the ring against brock lesnar um yeah i mean like if he likes that that's the whole thing is the dedication to wrestling you see a lot of people like this that are just huge like who is the announcer they had um god why am i they they put him in the uh fight club thing that they had he was he got punked out on raw one time by Brock. oh you're you're thinking Deon, of uh, Dion Maddox. Yes, Dion Madden, who's uh, uh, what the fuck? He's in Retribution. Um, he's Mace in Retribution. Yeah, so you have guys like him. You have guys like um, let's see. You know, it it just depends on your dedication, I think. And if if he loves wrestling and he really wants to get at it and he has an amateur background, I'm sure he'll be fucking great. But there's a lot of Jack guys that WWE hires that don't get there. And uh, Rob Terry kind of talked about that a little bit in an interview that we had. So go check that get, check that out. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree completely. I forgot there was a there, uh, there was um, a gentleman that everyone was really high on that Vince saw in NXT and saw a lot of potential just on looks. And he looked just like Edge. And he, he was a part of the last class. Haven't seen him on anything. Couple matches here and there as he gets beaten, and I think he got punked out on that stupid uh, underground raw underground thing by one of the uh, Baba Kato, who we haven't seen since then. So uh, good stuff, really intelligent things. It it really does matter if if you actually are good in the ring though, to some extent, and actually love wrestling. Yeah, and I mean you have guys like Mason Ryan, for instance, who it became like a really great circus Olay performer he just didn't care about the world of wrestling like he liked to perform but that's what he wanted to do and that guy was like absolutely fucking jacked to the brim um i'm there's there's a there's a bunch of other people i could name off in this same list uh if he cares about wrestling with that physique and he's posting pictures about brock lesnar and he has an amateur wrestling background yeah dude could be an absolute fucking monster the whole thing is like if you don't care about professional wrestling why even become a professional wrestler i guess i agree all right let's run down these other people uh these are all some some people are brand new some people are have been in other stuff anthony henry uh who was uh part of evolve um, he's been in a couple enhancement matches here and there in NXT. Chance uh, Barrow, who was uh, big in pro wrestling. Noah. Uh, Teresa Saranto, who is Zoe Stark, who we were talking about. She had a match with Theo Shirai on NXT. Uh, Christian um, Brigham, uh, six years of experience um, uh, under the name Christian uh, Casanova. Priscilla Kelly, who's going by Gigi Dolan. Uh, great female wrestler. Yeah, she had that weird thing with the fake tampon thing everyone freaked out about not too long ago wait wait uh, can we can we stop for one second yeah she's going by gg dolan yes gg okay. allen gg dolan darby allen gg dolan i yeah. did a tampon thing in a match one time which sucks because priscilla <laughs> kelly is an excellent female wrestler but everyone's not going to get over the fact that her ex-husband's Darby Allen, and I don't think this name's going to help her at all with that. Um, and also the fact that she did the tampon spot. Yeah, it's, I mean, I'm like, 
Out of all the she names, was in a dust change. <laughs> she was in the 2018 May Young Classic. Everyone thought she was going to get signed from that because she had some excellent matches during it. But uh, yeah, um, I don't know. We'll see. They have, a, they have a hard enough time getting someone over by the name of Ruby Riot, <laughs> who has a <laughs> punk rock gimmick. You know, like I, 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 she's she is really good in ring, and I've I've seen her work, but that's. That name, I they have to, ch- they're gonna change that. There's no way. Gigi Dolan. Yeah, it's oh, it's Lord. it's 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 terrible. It's a t- even like why don't That's you just go by Gigi Allen? Like I'd be pissed if they were like, all right, we want your name to be this, and she's like, really? Can I get the fuck away from my ex-husband shit? Like, god damn it. All right, so we have Drew Casper, who's a brother of a recruit from last time, Jacob Casper, past wrestler. He's a past uh, football player, and they're going to go for a brother's uh, tag team gimmick. Brianna Coda, who was known as Cora Jade. I've definitely heard of her. Uh, she was, I think she's tag partners with uh, Priscilla Kelly. I'm not going to call her that fucking name. Uh, in the Dusty uh, Rhodes Classic. She's only 19. Christian Hubel, a former college cheerleader, uh, uh, Tennessee native, uh, went by Blake Christian in PWG. Um, and Game Changer Wrestling. Uh, Matrick Belton, he uh, was a Division One football player at the University of South Carolina and was also part of the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, and he had some training at CZW. Um, Cameron Clay, who is um, Cameron uh, Bernie uh, beforehand, and um, she's good friends with Shotzi Blackheart. That's a really good thing to put down as her credentials. Uh, Jay Arola, 25 year amateur wrestler. Uh, so just big into NCAA, uh, wrestling. He won the two, 2016 tournament. Uh, Taylor Grotto, uh, she's from uh, Evolve and Shine, and she was known as Avery Taylor. And, uh, New Jersey's, uh, Carissa Rivera, um, who was a part of Women's Wrestling Revolution. Uh, promotion very new and green to wrestling so those are all your recruits chris i think the standouts obviously i guess you could say priscilla's probably one of them because she's known uh before that i would say uh anthony henry because he was pretty big and involved parker bardo just because of the brock lesnar comparisons angela arnold booker t's um you know newest recruit um la knight obviously eli drake's big name so is ty valkyrie and then Rick Steiner's son, uh, Bronson Rich Steiner. And uh, D.D. Allen, if they get rid of the gimmick. I said Priscilla Kelly. I will not call her by her, uh, her, <laughs> her NXT name. That's that's no. that's just like Isaiah Swerve Scott. I'm starly, starting to finally call him that, but to me it was fucking Shane Strickland. L.A. Yeah. Knight's going to be really hard, too. L.A. Knight's going to be very difficult for me. That's just Eli Drake. Just give the guy his damn name. Who gives a shit? Um, no, that's a great class. Uh, we get 18 of these a year and, um, like three pan out. So them bringing in people that are already established kind of makes sense. I I feel like they always show us these dope athletes and I don't know what happens at the performance center or these people just like, are like, Oh, wrestling sucks. (laughs) That hurts. Or what? Don't we see these every year? Yep, and only like four stick around usually from these big classes. And, and uh, 
it's cool that they're out there like recruiting though. I mean, that's good for, you know, if you're a professional athlete that doesn't necessarily make the NFL, um, Hey, WWE's got a spot for you, even though that NXT, uh, performance contract, not that great. Yeah, no kidding. All right. Well, I think we got through all the news, man. Um, we'll talk about the, the Paul White stuff more in general. Once we get to, uh, AEW. We're going to go over Elimination Chamber. We're going to talk about the ramifications and the title picture that happened on Raw and SmackDown, because I think that was the biggest stuff to come out of those shows. And uh, then we'll go over AEW and NXT. Uh, let's start off with Elimination Chamber. I will start off by saying this, and I swear I, I, I end up saying this type of stuff a lot lately, but I, I like the shorter shows. And uh, for the most part, I thought it was a pretty excellent pay-per-view. Uh, definitely some stuff I did not like, but we will we will get to that. And uh, I'm okay that The Miz won. I'll, I'll just put it that way. I wasn't as first. I posted a picture of him in the bunny costume from A Christmas Story that he did on his stupid Miz show. Um, but I have now accepted it because I think he's just a speed bump to get us to Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre. Uh, which I think is where they're going, where Drew in a stadium will win back his title in front of an actual crowd. Maybe they keep it on Lashley, and I think that it's going to be Miz and Morrison versus uh, Damian Priest and, unfortunately, Bad Bunny. Um, I could be wrong, though, but overall, the Elimination Chamber was was fun. They've been doing better as of lately. That's like the least amount of credit I can give them, Chris. They're, they're, They're doing all right. They're doing better. There's a lot of things I liked about this pay-per-view and a lot of things I hate about this pay-per-view, and most of it was weird finishes. Um, the Miz, no problem with him as a champion. I I, uh, I immediately posted, you can hate me now, because I feel like he could carry that all the way to Mania just to piss people off. Uh, I know that's going to piss, piss in a lot of people's Cheerios, but they've done that in the past, and I feel like they might repeat that. Um, Miz is Miz. They're going to promote him because he does like one of the number one shows on USA outside of wrestling. That's just, that's is what it is. So if you look at it any other way, even if you hate the Miz, that's, that's really what it comes down to. He has a TV show that's on the same network. Why would they not want him to be the guy going into Mania? So I, I think that he might carry that bitch all the way to Mania, which we'll get into a little bit later. Um, overall, I mean, decent show. The uh, That women's tag match was abysmal. Uh, they tried really hard. I mean, it wasn't bad or anything. It was just kind of there. But um, yeah, I don't know. Let's just get let's dig into it and maybe I'll have better hot takes. All right, so I missed this first match, and it was notable that I was completely wrong on the pre-show that I did uh, on main event with Tom. Um, But we have Mustafa Ali, Elias, Ricochet, and John Morrison. I said there was no chance in hell John Morrison or Ricochet were going to win it. They were, for some reason, going to fucking make Elias win, or who I thought made the most sense because of storyline between the interaction of... uh, the Hurt Business, and Retribution. I thought that Ali was going to win this. No, I was wrong. John Morrison did. Which, later on, I kind of still question why John Morrison, if Miz was going to end up with the title, why they just didn't have John 
win the U.S. title because Keith Lee was a spot they were, you know, filling in because Keith was out. Uh, so it makes me think that he was probably going to win it same way, you know, without Bobby taking the loss sort of thing. Um, and uh, Matt Riddle ended up winning it, but that's whatever. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Do you have anything to say about the opening match? Morrison looked good, and the reason they put him there is because Morrison looks good in matches, and he can wrestle two matches in one night, and that's exactly why he got thrown in the motherfucker. <laughs> I hope he's okay because he tweaked his knee trying a new maneuver he's been trying, uh, you know, at, at least uh, practicing. It was a little twisty due to the outside, and uh, apparently he kind of, you know, you're, tweaked his knee. I hope he's not f- fucked for a while. You're talking about in the second match? No, this was actually on Raw. He went against um, who, who the fuck did he face? Oh man, I can't remember. I, I must have. I, I may have missed this because I skimmed through Raw, as you know. Uh, as one I just does. watched the highlights and I can't remember. <laughs> I saw the spot too. Damn it! But he had a hell of a night here in the Elimination Chamber, and I'm I'm a hundred percent sure they put him in this match so the match wouldn't suck. Oh yeah. Definitely see that. Oh, it was Matt Riddle and, and John Morrison for the U.S. title. Um, but, yeah, he tried some little twisty maneuver that he's been working on, apparently, and kind of twisted his knee. So, hope the best for Mr. John Morrison and that he's not out for a while. Good friend of the show. Um, all right, so let's continue on Elimination Chamber. First Elimination Chamber, man, I think was the best match on the show. I think that it was the better of the two Elimination Chambers. And as a lot of people are saying... You know, the fact that uh, we had a majority of ex-Ring of Honor guys from back in the day, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, Cesaro, who I think stole the match personally to me, um, Daniel Bryan, along with Jey Uso, um, and along with Kevin, or Kevin Corbin, (laughs) uh, Baron Corbin, King Corbin, whatever the fuck you want to call him, he was there for cannon fodder. He came out, was a good heel, um, and ended up losing pretty quickly off the bat. I mean, the match started out with the two guys that were, you know, the, the workhorses, if you will. Daniel Bryan, and like I said, Cesaro, who I thought was the MVP of this match, even though he didn't win. Uh, he has been building himself up very well lately. I still don't think it's believable to have him top tier. He needs to still build up to that. But we have a situation, before we actually get in this match, just talking about Cesaro, based on his performance, I love the ending where he went after Daniel Bryan's hurt knee and just had him in the airplane spin uh, by his knee. I thought that was fucking awesome, and then went right into a half crab. Um, I, and, you know, he eliminated uh, Baron Corbin with the same spin into the, uh, you know, sharpshooter like he does. But just everything he did in this match, that was awesome. They had a chance a long time ago. I'm not going to put him on a, a level the fucking likes of Bruno San Martino, but that type of concept they have, and he's a better in ring wrestler. Uh, you know, I just don't understand why they couldn't get it, and I feel like it's weird that right when his contract's coming up, they decide to start giving him this style push. But I have liked his promos as of lately on the after shows. And I really do love Cesaro. I thought that he was the best in this match. Do you agree with that, or do you think that someone else kind of shined a bit more in this Elimination Chamber match? 
it was either Cesaro or Daniel Bryan, and and most of it was just their intro, kind of, because they were the first two going out, right? Yep. They had some really good chain wrestling there. Uh, I Kevin Owens hit a cool moonsault spot, which was fun. Um, Daniel, uh, not Daniel Bryan, but uh, Baron, when Baron Corbin got in the match, it was like cool for two seconds, and then it just went to a crawl until other pods got released. So maybe he shouldn't have been there. But I mean, yeah. the, rest, the rest of the match was fucking good. I mean, picking like they were all performing really, really at a high level. I mean, all those fucking guys are great. But uh, Cesaro, as we've said on the show multiple, multiple times, is so slept on for no reason. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ, how do you sleep on this guy? <laughs> I don't get it. But I will say also another MVP for being able to take the best ass kicking, Chris. Fucking Sami Zayn. Because <laughs> I loved when he got released. He was holding the door that Baron Corbin was at and wouldn't let him get in and then didn't realize right behind him, oh, Cesaro's there, and then gets smashed the fuck everywhere, just annihilated by Cesaro, bashed off one side to the other. And then when Kevin Owens comes in and it's Daniel Bryan and Cesaro, you know, in the ring, he's trying to convince KO we have history. They do not. You know, we can actually do this and it can be just the two of us. And of course, Kevin Owens doesn't believe Sammy's bullshit. Fucking takes him and fucking does the same thing. Just destroys him. Uh, I love Sammy Zayn. He took a one hell of a fucking ass kicking in this match. Yeah, I mean, he was the he was obviously the biggest heel, the the biggest chicken shit heel in this match, I should say. I mean, he's the only one that came off as a true bad guy to me. And uh, like he also caught one of the best stunners in this match. <laughs> it was incredible. Yeah, and I love the way that they incorporated the big moves uh, together. I thought Jey Uso was also great. That part where he took out Kevin Owens by slamming the door on his arm and just kept it there and wouldn't let him get out and then even ha- had it where he wore down Kevin. He just started giving super kicks and you know inevitably eliminated him. I thought that he was also a really good heel, but obviously different than Sammy's heel. He wasn't chicken shit. He was much more abrasive, obnoxious, I'm going to fuck you over style heel. And, dude, Jay's been doing fucking great, man. I'm going to go on a limb and say Jay came up with that spot because he also did a similar spot in that Hell in a Cell match against the New Day. Remember when he crucified uh, with the kendo stick Xavier Woods? Do you remember that? He finds out very nifty-ass ways to use the obstacles around him. Um, and I feel like the uh, the, the match we're going to talk about later, the other Elimination Chamber match, they tried to do uh, something similar with this glass. Uh, it did not turn out as well. <laughs> yep, I would have to agree with you on that. But just a great match, man. I, I, really, uh, I really dug it. The one thing with Jey Uso, and I don't know if they're building this, but he's been presented so well. They got two nights on WrestleMania. I expect them to go balls to the wall with several matches on both nights to really try to fill it up. Uh, this is going to be in an outdoor arena with the biggest capacity crowd that they've been able to do um, or can do due to what's going on, obviously, with COVID. It just seems like we haven't seen Jimmy. Jimmy's cleared. He hasn't been around. I wouldn't be surprised because I've heard the two of them talk about one of their biggest, um, one of the things, one of their goals 
is have a match with each other at WrestleMania, not main event, just a match between the two of them at WrestleMania. I would love Jimmy to come in and actually be the babyface and call out his brother and that lead to a match at WrestleMania. I think that that would be fucking incredible, actually. That would be awesome because, like, I don't know that people think that Jay is a heel. Like, he is being manipulated as such, right, by Roman, but he's the only person that really has stood up to Roman outside of Kevin Owens at the same time. So how is he really a heel? Like, the 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 obstacle that stands in front of him is Roman Reigns, who's going to kill his brother every time he sees him if he doesn't, you know, fall under Roman. So that would be a cool a cool ass storyline. And you could also do it where if Jimmy loses, then he has to bow down to Roman, uh, which I watched Talking Smack before this. Daniel Bryan and like always had an amazing interaction with Paul Heyman. I would definitely say Raw's fine. It's much more goofy. It's it's Caleb Braxton and uh, and our truth. But Talking Smack always has um, oh, what's her name? She's doing she's done much better, especially with the bump. I can't think of her name. Maybe it is Kayla Braxton. Charlie Caruso's on Raw. Kayla Braxton is on SmackDown, and her and Paul Heyman are the hosts. And Brian is always one of the guests. And they set up something. So next Monday, or next uh, week, next SmackDown, we're going to be having Jay and Daniel Bryan in a cage. If Daniel Bryan wins, he goes uh, against the title for Roman Reigns. But if he loses... He's got to bow down to Roman Reigns, basically, and join his little faction. So that was just set up, and Roman – or Daniel Bryan ended the thing and said much more – or he, he said, he said I'm sick of, of, of helping everyone else out. I'm going to look on my own behalf, and I'm going to show everyone that even before CM Punk said it, I was saying I was the best in the world. And he dropped the mic and left, and Paul Heyman looked distraught. So – Definitely expect to see that at Fastlane, which sucks because we do have Miz on one side with Drew and Bobby, where we don't know might be a three-way. I don't think it's going to be Daniel Bryan, Edge, and Roman, but he's definitely that other guy that's involved in the title picture. I just hope that he has something big still for WrestleMania, and him and Paul Heyman are gold every time they're together. Fucking great. I don't think this is going to happen, but how hard would you pop if Eric Rowan just, like, showed up and, like, clotheslined a Nuso (laughs) mid-ramp? Just took him out. I'd be down for that. (laughs) Hell yeah. He's like my boy, Daniel Bryan. (laughs) I've been reading books again. Uh, No, I – man, that show has gotten so much better since they put Paul Heyman on it. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah. Do you know what he did, Chris? I'm sorry. You just reminded me. He (laughs) took the script that he was given right at the beginning, and he's done this before, and crumbled it up and fucking threw it. And he goes, "I hate scripts." He just he just needs liner notes. Like, (laughs) what are we talking about? Okay, because he actually watches the product, which I feel like a lot of these wrestlers don't do, or writers don't do. They just watch the one thing that they have to write and they leave. Or something like that's why it feels so disjointed at times. Um, yeah, man. I, let's. Uh, I'm gonna get back to the match. Uh, yeah. 
how the hell is it fair that Daniel Bryan fought through all this and then he immediately has to fight? Here's here's your reward. You get to fight Roman Reigns right now. What the fuck? Did I miss something on SmackDown where this was the stipulation where Roman could just fight him whenever he wanted to? Or did they just do I this? Think, I think that they kind of hinted at that he would take the match when he wanted to. Everyone just assumed he'd do it later. <laughs> But this is just like Roman when he won the title from Fiend and fucking Braun and just showed up when he wanted or came to the tag matches right at the end after Jay, you know, beat down both guys. I think this is just kind of and and Daniel called it out. You know, he, he flat called it out like that's bullshit. If you want to beat me, then you should be able to fucking beat me. And I thought that the biggest stuff that happened last night on SmackDown was the the concept of Daniel Bryan wanting his win back. Game to go against Jay, Jay f- using a weapon to fuck him over, Roman beating him down, Edge coming to spear Roman, you know, to still have that. But also the interaction with Edge and Daniel Bryan where, you know, Edge kind of said, like, I, you know, I, I think that, oh, Daniel Bryan basically said that Edge, he doesn't think compared to him would have a chance against Roman Reigns. And Edge was like, yeah, I'm not disagree with you on that. And he goes, how do you feel about a match between me and you? And Dan O'Brien goes, I'm not going to tell you what the outcome would be. And they kind of set that stuff up. So I liked it. I I, I didn't like how they did it right afterwards, but it kind of makes sense towards the character of Roman Reigns that he kind of told Paul Pierce whenever and did it right afterwards like a fucking scumbag. And then went for the spear, almost lost because he was so confident because he got right put into the yes lock. And then ended up overpowering someone that was tired and taking him out the way that he did and, and you know, knocking him unconscious with his guillotine choke. Um, to answer your question, sorry, in a long roundabout way, I think it kind of – I think it makes sense more so than what they did after. I, I don't know. I, I, I didn't like the endings of both these Elimination Chamber matches, honestly. Too convoluted. Yeah, I thought – I thought this was a great match, and then you could have just, if you were going to do the title match, you could have done it on SmackDown and had a fuck finish or something if you are going to go this route. Um, I thought this was a good, the fans get to see Daniel Bryan get a win, and they're like, oh my god, he's going to get a title shot, and then you can screw him over later if you want to do that. I don't think that Roman needed heat on the pay-per-view in the very first match of the goddamn pay-per-view. Yeah. I, I I tend to agree with you, um, but yeah. So we got some stuff with Bad Bunny in the back, blah blah blah. Damian Priest. We had a triple threat U.S. title match: John Morrison, Bobby Lashley, and Riddle. Can't ca- call a past UFC competitor Matt Riddle, even though that's his fucking name. Anyways, whatever. Uh, Keith Lee was supposed to be in this match, and a lot of people were saying that apparently he was supposed to win this match. Uh, he was taken out. That's why they had that three-way. We already explained this. This was a very fucking aggressive-ass match. Um, I Now knowing the outcome, like I said, I think it would have made sense for John Morrison to pick up the title, especially if it was true that they were going to put it on Keith Lee. So Riddle wasn't going to win it. Put on Morrison because Morrison's the U.S. champion now. With the world champion, they both have gold. They have more stuff to gloat about. Um, but this was a way to get Bobby Lashley in the title picture without him losing, I guess. I still think that's a little bit weak. But, you know, uh, Morrison took the pin. 
Matt Riddle is now our U.S. champ. Um, God damn, dude. One thing I realized is that he might not be the most uh, gentle. <laughs> he might not be the most, um, what's the word, uh, pretty, I guess you could say, but Bobby Lashley fucking nails the shit out of people. He's very, very snug. And I love Morrison. I think he's great. I think that, honestly, especially since he had a little bit of uh, trouble uh, with his, um, uh, whatever the thing's called, the split-legged twisty twist. Um, Maybe, I don't know, calm down a little bit. But then again, this is a pay-per-view match. Were you surprised that Matt Riddle won, basically, Chris? I was surprised that he won most, not just because in theory he still beats Bobby Lashley, which in the way that they presented it in WWE logic doesn't matter, right? Because Bobby Lashley didn't take the pin. He also got beat to death with a crutch. Um, So not surprised on that forefront. The more surprising thing is they're like – John Morrison showed up to work that day and they're like, Hey bud, do you want to work two matches? <laughs> that's the, that's the more surprising part. He was like, I wasn't even supposed to, I wasn't even supposed to be here today. He's like Dante from clerks essentially. Um, I, I thought this was a very good match. I think they've done really good work with Bobby Lashley and I don't know if it's him working with MVP or what, but this is the best I've seen Bobby Lashley look in his entire career as far as in ring goes. And I've watched a fuck ton of Bobby Lashley via early ECW, not early ECW, but WWE's version of ECW and up uh, in impact and uh, TNA, et cetera, up until now. And I think he looks fucking really good right now. They're booking that guy. Great. And uh, hopefully they can carry that over to WrestleMania. I, I've never, as you know, I've never been a Bobby Lashley guy, but they've they've done a really good job with them. And uh, MVP is the perfect hype man, as long as they know how to dial it back when need be. Um, I think it's great. I, I don't know that they need the entire group around Bobby Lashley like they have, the faction. But him and MVP are, are, are a great tandem. Yeah, I'm 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 curious, man. I really do. All right, so we have next Monday, we have uh, Bobby Lashley going against the Miz. Obviously on Monday, Braun Strowman almost got added to that, which Miz was not happy about. But Bobby beat him and manhandled him for a good portion of it. I agree with you. I've never been the biggest Bobby Lashley fan, but I don't know if it's it's having him interacting with MVP or the fact that Vince finally noticed him as something that could be plausible but he is performing at a better level that he has ever done and also his stuff on the mic with Miz where he basically intimidated the shit out of him on Monday and you know just letting him know that he's going to take that title from him so basically I'll just give it away before the last elimination chamber match Miz got with MVP and Bobby Lashley we didn't know what they were talking about obviously Miz said I'll give you the first title shot if you take out Drew McIntyre at the end of this Elimination Chamber match, if he wins or whoever wins, so I can come out and beat them for the title, which is what they inevitably did. I don't know why you get bad money to slap Miz in the face for all that, but whatever. I'm going to get over it. I wouldn't be surprised if Bad Bunny helps cause a distraction for Miz 
for him losing that title. But we don't know if that's going to happen or if this is going to be a three-way dance between Drew, Bobby, Miz. But I think those are your main players going forward to WrestleMania. And honestly, I part of me wants Drew to win it. But Bobby Lashley finally getting put as a monster. Um, who knows? Maybe he holds it. Uh, it could be interesting. I still, even though it was more visual, but now actually physically the two guys, and Bobby was involved in MMA, um, I would like to see, uh, especially if it was Paul Heyman against MVP, a Brock Lesnar, Bobby Lashley, maybe at SummerSlam if they want to get Bob or uh, Bob, they want to get Brock back. That would be a, a good looking, at least on a poster match. I don't know how it would work in the ring, but I'll give Bobby this. Like I said, I've never been his biggest fan, but he's he's trying hard, I think, inside the ring and on the mic to be better than he ever has presented himself in the past. Yeah, he's he's like reinvigorated. Like I said, I, I've watched a lot of Bobby Lashley over the years, and it seems like he's taking this one super seriously um, and trying really hard. And uh, I don't know, man. I would get Miz out of this title picture as soon as possible. Maybe Bad Bunny screws him over or something. I I don't know. He's got he needs to me. The match is you know McIntyre versus Bobby Lashley, and they had a great match before. And they did mm-hmm. a fuck finish with Lana, and me. And, uh, well, I I don't know if you me. I don't. I remember me specifically being like, "Holy shit, that was a really great Bobby Lashley match until the finish." Because they did that weird Lana finish where Bobby Lashley didn't actually lose. He got like rolled up or something. Remember? <laughs> or, yep. or disqualified. <laughs> In that match, and I was like, that was a damn good match between those two guys. So they have some chemistry. Um, I mean, I feel like that's that's a fun match. But if you throw Miz in there, which I think they might, I think he might just cruise until WrestleMania, unfortunately. Um, yeah. The thing is, is like I know there's a lot of people that hate the Miz and they hate the way he lays his kicks in and the way he work he works too soft or or. typical WWE style, et cetera, with quotation marks. I don't have a problem with the Miz. I just, you know, he hasn't won a match in like a year and a half. And now he's the champion. That's the. (laughs) Unfortunately. (laughs) And and I mean, we, we as fans, I think you have obviously, and I've had to, too. We got to get over that because Miz is a bigger person than Jinder Mahal. Jinder lost. We had a record for most like losses within a year and then went and beat AJ Styles for the fucking title. So that's it's dumb. It makes no sense why Miz gets slapped in the face by a fucking musical act. How big he is to the mainstream audience. I don't care. And then fucking gets a title later on. But the thing is, and I said this on Tom Clark's uh, main event uh, last Sunday. Miz is one of the biggest superstars, even if it's been much – even since John – all right, if we say John Cena was like the last big guy, when it comes to the reality era, the, 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 the beginning of the 2010s, you know, Miz is up there for being well-known to both the audience of wrestling, even if they hated him, and also outside of that, I would say to level almost as CM Punk and Daniel Bryan. I mean, he's known. He is a known – person in wrestling people know who mike mizanin is even if it's the real world guy so i get it is what i'm trying to say 
Here's the real question. Remember when we going into the uh, the match with uh, Nikki and Cena versus Maurice and Miz? If yes. Maurice was his manager this entire time, would anyone care if he cashed in? Probably not. They would just be like, oh, well, Maurice, she distracted, so it's fine. This is my problem with this, is that everyone shit on John Cena and Nikki. They're like, oh, this is going to be terrible, Like, but at least we get to see the Miz and Maurice, am I right? And now we have this very retrospective view on what the Miz is. <laughs> Like the Miz is the Miz, dude. He's not gonna, he's not gonna immediately become he, Bret Hart overnight. Like <laughs> he got someone the size of Bobby Lashley to destroy the person that won it after they fucking won the Elimination Chamber. That is the most dastardly heel style thing you could fucking do. Like, it's also very dumb of Bobby Lashley, who should be immediately the number one contender regardless, because he's undefeated in the past year. Yeah, that's true. Uh, All right. <laughs> well, we'll but get I, get, back to- I, get what you, I get what you're saying, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's get to the next match so we can talk more about, obviously, the Raw side of things with their Elimination Chamber. This was abysmal to me. We have Bianca Belair, Sasha Banks against Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler. Um, I don't know why the concierge of, of Carmella is obsessed with Sasha. I think that they could have done this match where all they simply need to do to set something up is have Bianca or Sasha accidentally nail the other person. And that, in turn, wins the, you know, the match for the opposite team of the champions with Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler, setting up some animosity, even though obviously it was an accident. They do this all the fucking time. Instead, they had his ass come out, try to get Sasha to cheat because he has a crush on her. I don't even know why the fuck this guy's on our television. I, I really don't. Um, Reggie, Reginald, whatever the fuck his name is. He's ex-dancer. Um, uh, okay, great. I, I just don't get it. And why is he helping remember, or trying to help Sasha? Do you remember the guy with no chin? What was his name that AJ Styles whipped shit out of? Uh, oh, God. Uh, he had the sw- the no chin music was his yeah. finisher. Uh, <laughs> He's that guy. They just subbed that guy into the storyline. He is that guy with yeah. Carmella. He's that fucking guy. I, I can't remember his name either, and I apologize to the dude. I just can't. I'm blanking on your name. But, hey, look, <laughs> he he got himself over on a job to Braun Strowman, so good for him. You know what I mean? Like, I can't, I can't take anything away from him. But they're doing the same fucking storyline with Carmella and just a different dude. Yep. I don't know, man. It's just some of the things that they decided to do. There's one thing with Randy Orton that they think they could have done that they didn't. And they do stuff like this all the time. Why the fuck do they have to get him involved? Why wouldn't they just go to the normal concept? Like, you bitch, you fucking, you, you lost it for us. You know, you hit me off the apron. And then that's how we go forward. I just, whatever. So dumb. But good they job, Reggie. Get your paychecks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, nothing gets him or James Ellsworth, right? There you go. Jay Ellsworth, James Ellsworth. James, sorry, James dude. Ellsworth. Yeah, sorry, I couldn't remember your name. Um, there, it's the same gimmick. Like it is literally the same gimmick. If you want Carmella to have just a mouthpiece, bring back Enzo and just don't have him wrestle. Like, just have him be her mouthpiece. 
I liked her in our truth, but if they want her as his heel, that's not much different than her before when she was a heel, except for she's wearing dresses now and not dressing up like a female rapper. Um, I don't get it. Whatever. But I mean, you could still you could still have Enzo even if she dresses like a prom queen. Enzo could still cut a promo. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you're gonna do it, at least pick a like a good mouthpiece for it or something. Like, don't just have random like side chicks. Up. Yeah, at least with Enzo, he you know it's Enzo, right? And it makes sense with her character going back to NXT. Like, if you're gonna do it, you might as well bring him back. And we all know that that Carmella's real sidekick is Corey Graves and he probably does whatever she wants, you know, and I don't blame him. Um, but yeah, <laughs> maybe that's why, maybe that's why they haven't rehired Enzo or Cass. But, uh, <laughs> I want, I still want Enzo to show up on AEW. I don't give a fuck. You can, you can come at me if, if you want, he's entertaining as shit he's or impact, one. whatever. Who cares? Like, yeah, he's entertaining. Like, he's he's went out and said, like, I know I'm not the best wrestler, but neither was Hulk Hogan. So, like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you guys are on about. Yeah, it's it's you know, if he's that good on the mic, which he is, that's all that really matters. All right, let's get to the elimination chamber for the WWE title. Sheamus, Randy Orton, Kofi Kingston. AJ Styles, Jeff Hardy, Drew McIntyre. Kofi Kingston gets the award for being the funniest guy in this fucking thing because it starts off with uh, Randy Orton and Jeff Hardy, you know, because they've already done stuff, beating the crap out of each other. He hurts Jeff Hardy, and he goes over and starts staring down his old uh, rival, Kofi Kingston. And Kofi Kingston's like, all right, man, you been in the gym? All right, man, look at those calf muscles. Damn, man, those calf muscles. Like, just, just fucking Kofi. <laughs> that was the only thing I texted you the entire time you were watching this. Like, damn, look at those calves. <laughs> damn, look at them calf muscles. God, Kofi is so great. But uh, Kofi's next in, and him and Randy basically kind of get to go back to their feud. And very weird ending. No, we just had Randy freak out because a video of Alexa Bliss in the arena beforehand pre-taped with her laughing on all the screens, freaked him the fuck out. But if you're going to have him lose and get rolled up, which was sloppy as hell, something definitely got fucked up in that whole entire exchange, why the hell wouldn't there just be like a little distraction, maybe a laugh in the audience that kind of like, we know where you're going, that's going to be Fiend and Randy Orton. We're not stupid. But instead, you have Randy lose clean first and then say afterwards in his promo that he was distracted by what's going on and that's why he wasn't in the zone. This is Randy fucking Orton. He fucking figured out a way to avoid the Royal Rumble and almost won it. Uh, you know, I, I I just thought this made Randy look fucking stupid. And uh, whatever him and Kofi were trying to do, I don't think they pulled it off well uh, to get him eliminated. That really threw me off, Chris. So I've heard I've I've seen this botch a bunch, and no one calls it right. But what they were gonna try to do was the SOS. When he throws that boot up there, oh. Kofi was supposed to catch him and hook him and Kofi just missed. So it's not even on Randy because if you watch it, Randy's like, all right, are you ready? And then he throws the boot up and Kofi's like, whoa. And then he just schoolboys him basically. But yeah, it was supposed to be the SOS. I think, um, just, I've watched a lot of Kofi Kingston in my life. So now Randy Orton's like stupid and he's punching the mat again. (laughs) 
somewhere right now. <laughs> Probably. God damn. Um, I thought Sheamus looked really good in this match, man. He's he's fucking uh, you know monstrous, just extremely extremely snug, man, with his punches. Um, I didn't think that he was gonna win it. But I feel like we are going to get him and Drew at Fastlane for whatever reason. Um, I, I, something's going to happen where Miz and fucking Bobby are going to go all the way to Fastlane. And that's when Bobby probably beats him is what I'm assuming. So you have Drew and Sheamus there. And he beats Sheamus finally is what what I think. Uh, AJ looked really good in this match. It sucked that one part where he was trying to do his 360. And someone that's fucking got balance of a cat like a motherfucker uh he ended up doing and it looks so much more painful onto drew mcintyre basically a flip swan time bomb and just landed like jeff hardy's done as of recently on his ribs and then went back out and completed it correctly but um i love that part at the end where aj was going to eliminate uh, I, I believe Sheamus, and he was waiting for him to get up so he could do the phenomenal forearm. And Drew just came in with the Claymore, boom, taken out. And uh, Drew inevitably won. He beat Sheamus, AJ. Uh, Randy obviously was taken out by Kofi. Jeff Hardy was taken out, I believe, by Sheamus. And I think K- uh, Kofi was taken out by Sheamus, too, if I'm, I'm correct. But paper, it, it just, we already saw a lot of stuff. We had that weird spot where AJ was next because he got uh, whatchamacallit was going to come in last because um, he won the match or whatever. I forgot who the last person was going to be. So he knew he was coming out next. So after Randy Orton gave RKOs to both Jeff Hardy and Kofi Kingston, he had almost rip off the back panel and escort him over to one side. That would have worked out, but someone got speared, I think, in the first match and knocked out one of the panels on accident, so it kind of took the heat away from it. And then he came in, tried to pin both guys, didn't work out, so it was kind of an awkward spot. And Randy Orton didn't do anything to AJ Styles. I guess they're cool because they're both heels. All right, whatever. Uh, But this was fine. Ending would have, obviously, like we said, Bobby Lashley comes out, beats the living shit out of Drew, spears him, uh, and then, obviously, Miz comes out, cash in, um, and, you know, does a short DDT that doesn't work and goes and does his uh, main finisher and gets the win. And now Miz is the champion and we go off with Miz holding up the championship belt. What'd you think about this match, Chris? Uh, um, the AJ styles botch or what people are calling the AJ styles botch drew's out of position and AJ just tries to save it. That's why double pumps on the rope and doesn't do the 450. You have to be a lot closer for him to do a full circle frog splash, like a 450. He was too far out. That's why he did what he did. What I don't know is why they just did the same goddamn move. He's like, all right, we fucked it up, so let's do it again. <laughs> that That's the part I don't understand. As far as botches go in this match, it was boring. Um, yeah. There wasn't like anything incredible about this match, and then it had kind of a weird fuck finish with the Miz coming in and him convincing Bobby Lashley to beat down McIntyre. And and McIntyre was a heel the entire goddamn match. I mean, he's just attacking everyone. I mean, I guess that's what they're going for. But like he's like throwing Jeff Hardy into the goddamn cage. He's 
punting Kofi in the head. Like <laughs> it was um it was a ring full of assholes. <laughs> like I don't <laughs> that's the best way to put it. I mean like at least in the in the first match. Okay. So if you compare it to the first elimination chamber match, there was a clear cut set of heels and and baby faces, right? Yep. Like Kia kind of knew where the line was drawn and you you saw how they worked the match. This was very very WWE. It's like, "Oh, it's everybody against everyone." And it doesn't make for a good match, especially if you're a no Drew McIntyre is probably going to retain, which we didn't know there was going to be a cash in. And then they did a cash in, but the cash in is just like a cop out for later on because the actual story is Bobby Lashley versus Drew McIntyre. Which Bobby Lashley should have just like killed the Miz and had Drew pin him so he loses the briefcase and then we could circumvent all of the Miz being the champion just for one more pay per view. Unless you're gonna draw it all the way out to Mania. It's interesting, man. Uh just very interesting situation. Like I said, we know that Bobby has a title shot against Miz on Raw that Braun couldn't get into because he lost to Bobby to get qualified for this. I feel like there could be some shenanigans, and we do that at Fastlane. But who knows? He could beat fucking Miz next week, and that's it. And then it's Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre to Mania. Here's the question. How the hell would Braun be even on the same level as Bobby Lashley, who's lost like one match in 12 months? Because I came back, and I'm back from my injuries, and I demand a title shot. <laughs> like, what kind of baffling uh, – never mind. We just move along on this one. He's the this big is, show. He is the new big show. Sorry, Braun. That's, that's your new role. Ever since beating him in a cage match, I was passing at the torch, my friend. So now you get to come in. You got the title, you know. It's fine. It was last year. All right, so let's move to NXT, finish up the WWE thing so we can talk about AEW, and get out of here. Uh, We started off at the Capitol Center uh, with the match between Gargano and Dexter Loomis. They've been building up this feud for a long time. It's the same thing AEW does. Sometimes we have feuds that probably should be at least publicized more, that it's going to be on a future show, a television show, like a future NXT or it should be for the pay-per-view, but whatever. We had Johnny Gargano, Dexter Loomis. I'm guessing that we're probably going to get another match between the two of them based at the end. I got to say, it's there's something about Dexter Loomis that just is not working for me. It's Stuff in the ring is good, but it's he's also not acting like a big man, like a monster. Uh, maybe with Taker being there a lot more often, they can kind of go through that, but he's very athletic. Although, didn't he recently hurt himself by doing a, a flip? Uh, you know, in landing wrong to the outside. That's one of the things. But I like how <sighs> I know comedy and wrestling is not for everyone. Sometimes I think they do it well. Sometimes I don't think they do it well. There's certain aspects about the Gargano family ever since they gained Austin Theory um, and the girl that I am completely blanking on her name. Oh, Indy Hartwell. There's dynamics that are funny. So we have this thing where Austin is trying to distract um, Dexter and, you know, all of a sudden Indy's supposed to get involved and she's smitten with him and she kind of backs up and tells him to call her. And uh, 
then for some reason, I guess she was trying to save her husband, uh, Candice LeRae tries to do a moonsault, and that doesn't get a DQ, what the fuck ever, because she doesn't complete it. Dexter just puts her back in place and goes after Johnny. We had a part where, you know, Candice was distracting the referee, and Austin Theory was going to hit him in the head, uh, Dexter Loomis, with a steel chair, but he stared him down, scared him, and then punched a chair into him and knocked him on his ass. And he ended up just choking Johnny out, um, which was uh, interesting. The NXT uh, North American champions probably going to put that title, I would say, on the line. Maybe William Regal, William Regal will cause it against Dexter Loomis. But his in-ring work is good. I've seen a lot of his stuff. Not a lot, but a lot of his promo stuff before he got jacked when he was in TNA. And I think he's got a mind for wrestling. I, I don't know if it's a silent thing. This is something that's not working for Dexter Loomis, and it also doesn't help that he had that terrible match with fucking Cameron Grimes with zombies and shit where he redid the Thriller video. Um, but, yeah, he beat Johnny Gargano. What do you think, Chris? Oh, by the way, before you actually give me your opinion, isn't it great that Triple H went out of his way to have a Johnny Sucks uh, audio track so they could do that? I would have uh, laughed my ass off if, if that was me. Yeah, that would never happen in the building with Johnny Gargano versus Dexter Loomis. People would be like, let's go. <laughs> Johnny, clap, 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 clap. Uh, man, I I was never high on this guy. I tried to get behind him because you were into him at first, and they called him the artist, and then he had the Cameron Grimes thing. It's like your level of hype was like a, a, like a let's say a 75 at first when he was being really cool and kind of stalkerish, like he was going to murder some people. And I was like, I'm not convinced. And now it's like, man, it's like a, a 17 for me. This guy's terrible. The gimmick's terrible. Like his in ring is not good. doesn't fit the gimmick. It's just all bad. If you have a bad match with Johnny Gargano, you should pretty much retire from wrestling. <laughs> yeah. I'm at like a 42. I still see potential in certain things. When he was when he wasn't doing so much flips and stuff and taken away I think to his look overall and his gimmick and he was just sliding up to people that were standing and talking shit on the side of the ring and just choking their asses out and kidnapping people like that was fucking great. But now it just kind of like I thought it was funny at Takeover that we didn't talk about where they're all walking to the ring, and then all of a sudden Austin Theory just gets fucking chloroformed and dragged off. That was funny, but I don't know what the fuck they're going for with him. Is he funny? Is he scary? Is he a high flyer that's muscular? Is, is he supposed is, to be like is he, an undertaker? Is he chloroforming the wrong... Uh, well, apparently Indy Hartwell didn't need to be chloroformed. She would have just gone with him. And then that yeah, would lead was... basically to a promo later on where he tells Austin Theory, you know, because Austin says that, I just think that he's not understood, or he's not understood. And Indy Hartwell's like, I really think he's hot. So apparently they're getting therapy uh, for them. I hope they get the guy back that did what Daniel Bryan and Kane. That's all I got to say. Or it's going to be really oh bad. Yeah, that would be amazing if they got, like, hell no back together again, just for this one segment. Um, yeah, this is really bad. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what, what did I used to say when I'd write my notes? I was like, yeah, that's shit. <laughs> and then we'd just move along. 
It's that. Like, this is bad to me. It's terrible. Like, they took a guy that has a good look, good physique, and he had a gimmick. And then they just put him in a dumb storyline and killed it. And then called him the artist and killed it further. And now he has to do flips because he's the artist, which kills it even further. <laughs> like, he's done, dude. He's never going to make it. He's never going to make it to the main roster, bud. Yeah. I don't know. Well, all right. So we had uh, William Regal. Uh, he comes out and tells... Uh, the cameraman that when Karrion Cross gets there that he wants to talk to him. Uh, Shotzi Blackheart is featured in a Burger King commercial. Um, you can watch the commercial or, you know, pay her a significant amount of money to, you know, listen to her get rid of the Burger King afterwards if, you, if you'd if you like on her. Anyways. Ah, uh, that was a bad <laughs> joke. <laughs> oh, God. Hashtag cameo. Let's go. Let's go. Um, so we get the MSK. They kind of had a package, and then they kind of are able to interview with Mackenzie Mitchell. They won, which I thought was an awesome match, um, against Grizzled Young Vets for the Dusty Rhodes Classic, and they're going to be getting a tag team title shot soon. And the Grizzled Young Vets just come out and beat the living hell out of them, and that kind of sets up their match against um, Little Guy and Big Guy that will be later on. Um yeah. Tyler Rust and Leon Ruff. We're going to get to something I really did enjoy, I promise you. Tyler Rust and Leon Ruff. Um, this really doesn't even get started. Malcolm Belvin's already kind of like, you know, th- you know, told Leon Ruff that Tyler was going to beat the shit out of him, whatever, beforehand. And in comes Isaiah Swerve Scott. Shane Strickland has now become heel. He beats the shit out of Leon Ruff. And because of this, of being a forfeit, um, you know, uh, Malcolm Bivens makes a big deal about technically Tyler Rust getting a win. So, yeah, that was uh, that was interesting. But did you have anything to say about that? Didn't this just even out as like a no contest or something, this match with Leon Ruff and Tyler Rust? Yeah. So there was no finish. Yep. He was just uh, excited about his prospect. Do we really care about Tyler Russ? Or Leon Ruff, for that matter? Uh, no, because they're just going to be regulated to 205 Live. <laughs> be below their champion. <laughs> Leon Ruff looks like if Cheeseburger put on 10 pounds. <laughs> that's, that's, that's mean to Cheeseburger. He's better than Leon Ruff. Shots fired. <laughs> <laughs> We're both gonna get shots. Oh, right. Um, then we had a package for uh, Zoe Starks. Her talking to William Regal, and she had a match against Io Shirai. This was actually a pretty damn good match. I don't know if I would have given Zoe this much offense, honestly, on her second match on NXT, coming from this last class that just you know got introduced um, against the fucking champion. That's kind of a crazy concept, but either way, Io Shirai still won. And afterwards, okay, so Tony Storm comes out after the match to talk shit. And I love Tony. I, I don't know if, if, if this is true or not, but she was wearing these shorts that hiked up, like, so much. And you saw an overall shot of what she was wearing. 
and then every other shot was close to her face. I don't know if Triple H was like, oh my god, fucking, they're gonna kill me for this, but, um, Tony Storm always jokes around that she's cheeky. It's been a thing with her for a long time. She was definitely adding to that, but, you know, this is gonna be Io Shirai against Tony. I just hope whenever they do this match, I love Io Shirai. I think she's had a great uh, run as the women's champion. What, is this her second reign now? Let's put it on someone else. I think Tony Storm's that person to put it on, Chris. Well, out of the options they've given us after moving a bunch of people. Um, <laughs> yeah, Tony Storm will be fine here. I think I think you're right, but my worst fear is them just being like, oh, Io Shirai's in the main roster? She should immediately go against uh, Asuka. That makes sense. Well, no, they'll make him a tag team and take the title off Asuka. Yeah. It feels bad. <laughs> Charlotte's the new champion now. You know, you know who? You guys will be great because you're both Japanese. Where's uh, Where's Rhea Ripley? That's what the world really wants to know. What? I don't understand what they did with this women division. Honestly, Tony Storm is not a bad uh, follow-up champion if they're going to do that with EO. But uh, don't we still have this unveiling at some point? Or did I miss this completely with my two-week hiatus, Dane? Oh, you mean of uh, – well, we're going to talk about that next with uh, Zia Lee and her little faction. Yes. So have we unveiled the person that's actually going to be EO? Because I don't think Tony is the person that's going to be EO. And no, and it's, it's not Mako Satomura because she showed up in NXT UK uh, going full force against Kylie Ray. So it looks like they're putting, they're basically putting the, the UK women's title on the female Walter uh, over in Europe and Japan. So, that so she's, she's, she can't, she can't be in two places at once, obviously. So I don't know who this woman is. I'm assuming they weren't dumb because it would have been kind of dumb if Mako Satomura was her cause she's not Chinese. So maybe this is a new prospect that they brought from China, but I don't even think that she's going to be, they're building Zia Lee off this thing. They're not really building her as of yet. She just sits there. Yeah, I don't know. This one's still weird to me. It's been weird to me. You had me you had me all hyped, and now I'm less hyped knowing the UK storyline. It's like I'm I'm it's getting to the point where if certain people leave to go up, I'm gonna be more excited about NXT UK and NXT Evolve than I am NXT. <laughs> <laughs> Why why can't why can't she win both, Dean? Why can't she just double have both titles? She could. She, she could, right? Um, all right, so I already talked about the whole them going to therapy thing, that was a joke. We're building up to Xyli and Casey Canazaro based on stuff that happened in the past. Basically Casey and her tag partner. Um Caden Carter are not happy about Xyli as of recently, and she looked like she put a spell, or the the main lady put some type of marking on Casey Canazaro. I don't know what exactly it is, but before that, let's go over this Cameron Grimes stuff. So Cameron Grimes in the back, he watches <laughs> the Ted DiBiase. <laughs> God damn it! He watches the Ted DiBiase thing where he tricks the kid and kicks the ball uh, for a thousand dollars, and while the kid's dribbling it, and he's supposed to dribble it ten times in a row. So he goes up to someone because he's like, oh. I don't need to watch the rest of this. And he goes up to someone, and he didn't watch the part where fucking Ted DiBiase kicked the ball out. 
So the first person, he's got to give him $1,000. Then he goes to someone that's like a newer recruit that happens to be an ex-WNBA player, and she does the same thing, and he gives her $1,000. At the end of it, he just tells it to a third person and just punches him in the face and takes the money. <laughs> <laughs> so he's bitching about Ted DiBiase. Um, I found all this stuff really fucking funny. It was dumb, but, I mean, this is kind of going back to nostalgia. I love that he called out Ted DiBiase. I wouldn't be surprised if Ted shows up in some type of thing uh, in the future. And I love that online Virgil was like, hey, if you ever need an assistant or something like that, I have past experience. And he and he was like, to some extent, he was like, no, based off of what your ex, ex-boss Ted DiBiase got me into, I'm not hiring you because I don't need you. I'm going to the moon. And then so he basically did not accept Virgil's request on helping him on Twitter. Um, I don't know if this is helping his, he's a good <laughs> in-ring wrestler. He was trained by Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy. This is helping his character, but it's like 205 live bound. Well, yeah. Or just medium. Like he's going to be the new Ron killings, right? Or our truth somewhere you can just shove anywhere. And he's going to say funny things. Um, yeah, he's he's too good for that. It's so good. He's so good. Man, makes me feel bad. Um, wouldn't it be amazing <laughs> if FTR didn't leave WWE and they paired him with Cameron Grimes and he was just their manager? Especially during, remember when they took all that money <laughs> when, they, when they jumped that guy and they just started stealing the money when they were like Shane McMahon's uh, boys for like ten seconds. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was. <laughs> you gotta get an interaction. I want another interaction with Michael P.S. Hayes. I want an interaction with Ted DiBiase, and I want an interaction with Shane McMahon with this version of Cameron Grimes, the one that won all the money off of Bitcoin and now is a millionaire. <laughs> FTR would have stuck around if Cameron Grimes was their manager. Hundred <laughs> percent. Oh God, I love it. So ridiculous. To the moon! All right. <laughs> to the moon! Uh, Zylee, Casey Canizaro, another... Uh, Zylee's getting better in the ring. She really is. She's still stiff as shit, but I think that's even helping her character more. But Casey's bouncing off like a mother trucker. Uh, we have a little bit of distraction, but not much. And uh, referee stoppage. Zylee wins the match. Uh, so basically at the end of it, Lee grabs Casey by the hair and drags her up the steel ring steps into the ring as the referee warns her. Lee drags Casey into the middle of the ring now as Carter also yells at her. Lee stands over Casey as she clutches her own knee. The referee checks on Casey and rules that she can no longer compete, and Lee is the winner. And after the match, officials hit to go check on Casey. Carter also checks on her. Carter storms past Lee and up the ramp to go help her. Uh, and uh, we have Boa. Um, basically, she just points and says that she's next, so she's going to go and cripple Caden Carter. That's what's going on. I do like a lot of the aspects that they're doing with Zaylee. Um Torture stuff was a bit much, but this little faction group is interesting. I'm just wondering where they go with it, basically. It still comes down to the leader to me. I... I... I thought this match was fine, and also Casey Cantanzaro should get the fuck out of AEW or NXT or something. I don't know. They've wasted her. Yeah, 
am I wrong? Like she was the reason this match was good. She's selling her ass off and she's a great athlete. Like Zaya's fine. I'm not shitting on Zaya Lee, but am I wrong on that? Like rewatch this one and just watch her just taking bump after bump after bump after bump and then selling <laughs> to set up this dumb storyline. Uh, this this payoff better be good. It better be like uh, Bull Nakano good. <laughs> so like, what if she's Bull Nakano? I wish. That'd be amazing. It's not going to be Bull Nakano, though. Don't get my hopes up. I, I, well, I, you know, I saw Aja Kong this week. This week or last week. So, you know, anything can happen. <laughs> We're, we're hoping for the best, expecting the worst. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, yeah, and, and this kind of brings it up. I mean, all right, so Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai next week are going to be going against Shayna Baszler, Nia Jax. They had some words in the ring. They talked back and forth. It set up the match pretty well. I feel like, and this has been the ongoing rumor, is that Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez are going to win, and they're going to bring those tag titles to a place that has way too many women and also a bunch of female tag teams so they can actually have fucking matches and do something with the titles instead of once around having them as props on Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax or whoever has them on Raw and SmackDown. Can't disagree with you, but they just put Nia over super hard at the pay-per-view. So, like, Shayna's going to have to snap on her. Oh, did you see how... One thing that was pretty fucking horrid to watch, uh, Nia Jax. No, no, not Nia Jax. I can't blame it on Nia Jax. Shayna Baszler was, uh, I think, throwing some punches, and she connected too hard and knocked one of Asuka's teeth out uh, in the match that her and Charlotte lost on Raw against the women's tag team champions. Uh, There's a video of it you guys can watch, and that's the reason why she's holding her mouth at the end of it. She actually knocked her fucking tooth out. Jesus. Well, well, it's Dana, not that I way. I don't, I don't watch Raw, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, just to let you know, Oscar lost one of her teeth. Well, that sucks. What a bunch of assholes. <laughs> what did, what did Oscar do to any of you guys? <laughs> no, it's just the I, best. I, I'm just assuming that like the only way you set this tag team up where they can win is you have to have Shayna snap on Nia or ver- vice versa, right? Because the way they yep. built them. So they're just a tag team where the other tag team killed each other. Yeah. I, I want Raquel Gonzalez if there's going to be... I want her to get the win, obviously. But yeah, that would make sense if they turn on each other. Um, and then set up, I guess, a match at WrestleMania between the two of them. If, if they turn uh, on each other, Raquel should like at least powerbomb Nia Jax. Or do like, a huge power move or something. Can we talk about this whole thing? Because I forgot to bring that up. So when Nia did that, did she accidentally do that? (laughs) (laughs) So maybe over. When Nia fell on her ass, did she actually say that out loud because she was in pain and she didn't, you know, notice? Kind of like the Reba match when I forgot that one chick that said my vagina when she's I don't know. Anyways, on TNA. Was that a situation like that? And then Vince was like, that's hilarious. Now we're going to make fun of it. Or did they actually present that to Naya and say, 
All right, what we want you to do is say my hole and pretend you stretched out your butthole, and then we're going to make jokes about it going forward. Either or suck. I actually feel bad for Nia Jax for that. The fuck? Um, hmm. All above? Uh, I'm going to say that it was an accident. And then she just couldn't think of what to say when she rolled out of the ring. I mean, it's Nia, like... <laughs> that's a that's a lot of that's a lot of shit for Naya to remember. Like she couldn't remember to catch Charlotte Flair, who was posted on the goddamn top turnbuckles and catch her. So like you're asking a lot, dude. <laughs> like, when like anyone she has says remember every wrestler the in the Analoi family is great, you gotta remember Nia Jax is a part of it. Yeah, she is a black mark on that family. They're gonna have they're gonna start doing DNA tests and shit, guaranteed. <laughs> Watch. Oh god, we're ruthless. <laughs> the Rock says <laughs> The Rock says you're not part of our family anymore. <laughs> uh hey, did you like have you watched um Little Rock or whatever the fuck it's called? No, I have not. How is that? I saw a, a picture of Macho Man, and I was like, that is not Macho Man. <laughs> it's it's honestly, man, it's really charming. And I like that they keep a lot of the information that wrestling fans know about the inner workings of wrestling. They kind of talk about it, but it's different stories from when he's three different ages. And the guys actually look like him. I thought it was very charming. The first two episodes are on Hulu. Uh, and I would actually check them out. The 30 minutes apiece. I definitely will. Um, sorry, a helicopter is going by. What the hell are you doing in your neighborhood, man? Jesus. I had to, I had to feed the outside cats. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> oh, you're fine. I meant like, you got like a fucking body somewhere or some yeah, shit? Yeah, dude. Yeah, always, dude. You know me. I've been watching. <laughs> I finished The Sopranos and went directly into The Wire, so that's what I think of now about oh, yeah, situations I mean, like that. We need, we need to have deep conversation about The Sopranos, by the way. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, I actually, have... I was going to ask you this. Based on it, I feel like Roman Reigns is, is, is picking from Tony Soprano and Stringer Bell for his character. Uh, yeah, I could definitely see this. I could see the Tony, the Tony, especially in the last season where he's super paranoid about people leaving the family. He's just l- lying in the lounge chair with his AK across his chest. <laughs> oh, I love that show. It's so good. Um, <laughs> no, God damn it. Now I forgot what I was talking about, Dane. Sorry. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> what, what was the, uh, the little rock, the little rock. Uh, no, I just saw the photo of like, Andre the Giant, who looked huge in the photo, but then there's like other wrestlers and Macho Man, and Macho Man's like my size. <laughs> with, with flat iron hair, and I'm like, uh-huh, yeah, I'm excited. It's just, it's one of those weird things. It's going to be the same thing with the Hulk Hogan documentary. Like, if it's not filmed exactly right, it's going to look so weird, because those guys are so larger than life. I mean... You're talking about Andre. Hogan was like, what, 6'4", 6'5", 280 pounds or something? 24-inch yep. pythons, brother. Um, yeah, it's just, it's it's a weird, 
it's a weird, weird thing. Uh, but I will say the dad, the guy that they have to play Rocky Johnson, the way they cut that hairline in is exactly like Rocky Johnson's hairline, <laughs> which <laughs> makes me laugh every time I see a preview for the show. So I'm definitely going to check it out. Yep. All right. So we had a match with the Grizzly Young Veterans versus Killian Dane, Drake Maverick. Story be told. Guess who lost? Uh, Grizzle Young Veterans won the match. After match, Gibson and Drake head up the ramp. Uh, Dane checks on Maverick and carries him. And very interesting wrinkle in the story. They went past Alexander Wolf, who is a part of um, uh, Imperium. The part of Imperium. But also used to obviously be uh, with the group with Eric Young and uh, Killian Dane and says, like, what happened to you, basically? Like, you used to be a monster, and now you're carrying him around? Like, literally carrying him around? Uh, so I don't know where that's going, but, uh, thought it was, was better. Uh, we also, you know, William Regal had checked. He was pissed off that Caring Cross didn't get there. And then we see an a SUV pull up in the parking lot. Uh, and Joaquin Wild and Raul Mendoza of Lacado de Fantasma step out and they take guard over the vehicle. And, uh, yeah. Um, what do you think about the match? And then this whole entire Alexander Wolf kind of care calling out uh, Killian Dane that, you know, he used to be a monster and now he's basically a fucking joke. Well, do you think Rockstar Spud feels really good? No! <laughs> <Are you> signing <laughs> with his company? <laughs> he's like, God damn it, I could be making the same amount of money and working on AW Dark right now. Son of a bitch. Um... That's how I feel about that storyline. I feel I feel really bad for him. The storyline's stupid. I hate it. Uh, moving along. <laughs> All right, we got the no DQ match. This started with Carrying Cross uh, kind of throwing off, I guess, um, Phantasma's group by having his wife come to the ring, and instead he wasn't there. He attacks both of them, beats the shit out of them, and then, you know. Um, uh, Santos Escobar gets uh, gets him from behind, and this whole entire match, I'm watching this at the same time. I'm watching uh, Phoenix go against Lance Archer, and I was thinking for both matches, you know, even though they had their reasoning, there was a lot of offense being had by a smaller guy compared to these two fucking monsters. Uh, you know, both of them kind of have like a Sid dynamic to them, you know. Um, but Karen Cross undefeated, we didn't think he was going to lose. And I kind of got over it by the fact that the way that they presented it, it was literally three on fucking one almost a whole entire time. And Karen Cross finally just annihilated him and annihilated the other ones at the end of it and choked out fucking Santos Escobar. And it was a pretty damn good match. And I thought the same thing, and we'll talk more about it with Lance Archer and Phoenix. I thought it was a pretty good match. I could have done without the fist bump at the end of that one, but we'll, like I said, we'll get to that. Um, did you have an issue with that, Chris? The fist bump or this match? No, just the fact that Karrion Cross or Lance Archer would be taking so much uh, offense uh, to a Phoenix or your cruiserweight champion, Santos Escobar. Didn't Karrion Cross say some shit like, I'm going to take the title or take your life? And this was like, if he didn't show up, he was going to murder him? Yeah, 
something like that. He didn't want the title. He said it was beneath him, basically. Yeah, he basically said it was beneath him, but I'm going to take it if you don't show up, and I'm going to murder you. <laughs> and he, like, if I remember, I, I, I may be remembering slightly incorrectly, but basically Cross said he was going to murder him either way, and Escobar showed up. Uh, so it, it, as far as booking goes, this was way cooler than the uh, Lance Archer thing. I mean, but it's also Ray Phoenix, man. I mean... He's so goddamn over. You have to give him some offense, right? It's just they're very different. But yes, I get what you're saying. Like uh, Lance Archer, if he's going to be your big monster, he should be slapping Phoenix across the ring. Yep. And uh, I'm I'm happy where this is going. Uh, you know, Scarlet came and you know just helped him out and. Cross stare down Escobar, who was just kind of coming to basically, and uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, Karen Cross needs to be going for the fucking title. I'm it there. Finn wants to fight both at Takeover, and I, we don't even know if there's a Takeover before Mania this time because it's two nights, just like last year there wasn't. But Finn wants to fight at Takeover if he's since he's a champion, and then also at WrestleMania. I think there's a good chance, and this has been rumored, we're going to have Karrion Cross versus Finn Balor at WrestleMania for the NXT title. Which means Karrion Cross is going to have to kill all of the Undisputed Air, which we'll get into in the next segment. But <laughs> um, I will say this about the Karrion Cross match versus the uh, Ray Phoenix Lance Archer match. Karrion Cross had to deal with the goons. Yep. And. Lance Archer had no goons. It's just Ray Phoenix is that good. But also Ray Phoenix is like world renowned good, right? So I don't know. I mean, in what match could you not give Ray Phoenix like moves? I mean, he still he took the L. I mean, he still got his ass whipped, right? I don't know. That's a hard one. That's like when Ray Mysterio is like it's Ray Mysterio versus Triple H. You're like, well, I mean, like it's it's Ray Mysterio though, so he should get some moves. <laughs> Yeah, as long as they don't win, it's not that big of a deal. And I mean, I'll give that to Santos. He still is, you know, uh, Legado del Fantasma. He still is King Kerto. He's, you know, he is the Cruiserweight Champion, so it's not too bad. And he had two fucking guys with him to help him beat the shit out of, of Cross the whole entire time, so... Yeah, and then Cross like literally told him like if you don't show up, I'm gonna murder you either way. So. <laughs> yeah, that's always a good aspect too. <laughs> yeah, that's way more metal than what Murder Hawk did. <laughs> like, let's see if we're being honest. <laughs> so we had L.A. Knight, uh, the former Eli Drake, cut a promo basically saying he's gonna take over. Uh, really good promo, good stuff. I mean, you wouldn't expect anything less from him. Seemed like it was off script. I would not expect him to always be like that on NXT, and definitely when he gets to the main roster, I'm hoping he can take a script and fucking kill it. Uh, I feel like he's someone that can do that. There's, I think Eli Drake's fine in the ring. Um, nothing too special, but he definitely knows his fundamentals, much more old-school style, I would say. His strength is his talking. And he's 38, I believe, so he needs to fucking be pushed uh, to be someone... I would say on the main roster, actually, pretty soon. He's much more suited, I would say, for Vince's style than Triple H's style, if that makes sense. I think he's a great heel for NXT, man. 
I, I think he's perfect for that role. Someone's got to take that role over. It can't it can't just always be Champa or Undisputed Error. And Pat McAfee's for some reason not always there, even though he yeah. wants to be. <laughs> yeah. I love how he called out. I love how he called out after what we're about to talk about, and he was like, "Told you, he was a scumbag on Twitter <laughs> about Adam Cole." <laughs> Awesome. Uh, shout shout out to the rookie, the W O L N W O R rookie of the year, Pat McAfee. Fucking, fucking greatest man. He's All right, uh, so Adam Cole comes out to the undisputed theme. Uh, we see what happened with Kyle O'Reilly uh, and champion Finn Balor, and he's talking, and he's kind of coming off like I don't have to explain shit to you people, but then O'Reilly comes up. And he's like, what the hell's going on? And he's like, it makes me sick. I can't believe I did that. Blah, blah, blah. Um, Cole hates uh, to admit when he's wrong, but he thought that he was dead wrong within all that. And uh, this is all just like a swerve. We have Finn Balor come out. Strong meets him at ringside, apparently to talk, but Balor just shoves him to the side. Balor rushes the ring, brawls with Cole. Strong comes back, and Balor... Uh, tumbles with him to the floor. Balor unloads on Strong at ringside. Cole runs out and attacks Balor, then lays him out at ringside uh, for a big super kick. Balor is down, and Strong is in the ring recovering. Cole comes in and uh, starts like helping him out and then gives him also another super kick right to the face, knocking his ass out, and we see that frown come more to a smile, so, obviously, Adam Cole was just fucking talking up Roddy. Pretty sure the Undisputed Era, at least without Adam Cole, is done. I wouldn't be surprised if they trade him out for Finn Balor, possibly. And I wouldn't be surprised if we have TakeOver, say, the weekend beforehand, or we have it on that Friday, that if this is what they're actually going to do, Finn Balor goes against Adam Cole for the championship at TakeOver, he loses. Adam Cole goes on to uh, Raw or SmackDown, and then Finn Balor goes against Karrion Cross at WrestleMania. I don't know how you get the stipulated. Figure it the fuck out from storyline. And Karrion Cross takes the title from Finn Balor. Finn Balor has a little bit of an out since he already had a match a couple nights prior. I would even do Fem- I would do, I would do the Demon versus Karrion Cross and have Karrion Cross be the first one to beat him. Honestly, to make him look that strong. But then again, Karrion Cross is another guy that I could see on the main roster. I just think he has a Goldberg streak right now, and I would not beat him anytime soon. So does Bobby Lashley. Fight him in the gym. (laughs) (laughs) Those those faces that Karrion Cross Uh, makes, man. Yeah, he's great. So um, let me talk about this, Dane. I was I was watching this promo and I, I noticed there was a lot of use of different names, Dane. And uh, every time that I had something to say, I would end it with the person's name, Dane. Dane, did you know that I was trying to talk about you in this promo, Dane? Dane, it's very bad and it feels sad. It makes me hurt inside, Dane. Like I fuck, who wrote this? <laughs> like this is Adam Cole. He can cut a promo, bebe. He doesn't need – he said Kyle's name. If you were drinking every time you said Kyle O'Reilly's name or just Kyle, you would be wasted by the end of the show. And this is like – a. this came on after 10 o'clock. It had a seven-minute overrun. You would be fucking gone. <laughs> 
is ridiculous. And then Roderick Strong and the little necklace thing that they did where he's like, oh, he's wearing the Undisputed Error symbol. Like, it was so weird. I love this. I love their breaking up and I like that in wrestling. But, oh, my God, this was terrible. (laughs) If it wasn't. If it wasn't for the fact that Adam inevitably it was all just bullshit and then he hit him, I thought the same fucking thing. And it made me go, this is why NXT, you know, they have some great stuff that happens a lot of times. And they still have great in-ring wrestling. And their takeovers are some of my best pay-per-views. But the the writing has gotten shitty, and that's because they gain television writers that are more apparent and try to do what Vince would want. Uh, more so than anything else. And that's because they went to a two-hour format, and they're on USA. But I feel like if Triple H was able to do what he was able to do on the one-hour format on NXT, they wouldn't have any of these troubles. I'm not going to say it's going to beat AEW in the fucking ratings. That's not what I'm saying. But it would be a lot perceived a lot better than it is now. In general, if you're cutting a promo on someone, and the name is The Rock, and you say... The Rock at the beginning. The Rock is full of shit. You don't have to say The Rock every time you have another insult or another apology or another. It, it was just so like bad high school play. My wife was laughing hysterically. It was so terrible. But the storyline itself is good, which is the most frustrating part about the end of the show. It's like I want to see Adam Cole versus the Undisputed Era and Kyle O'Reilly coming back after adam cole to send him to the main roster or whatever that sounds awesome right but it's just the and it, it wasn't just him it was both and then the necklace thing i mean it's it's bad dude. so it's overdramatic really bad. it's just so like i don't know who wrote that but they should be fired tell vince to call me tell tell triple h triple h yeah I could, I can see that that Triple H, uh, I could see that Adam Cole would try to make Roddy think one thing and then do another when his guard's down, but to me, Adam Cole, a year ago when he was champion, when he was the fucking biggest badass, he would come out there and be like, I don't care what any of you people think, I was the undisputed era. He gets interrupted by Roddy. It's like, hey Roddy, you know you can be with me, man, but. Kyle is holding us down. We don't need Bobby anymore. He's injury prone. Screw this. Like, either you're with me or you're against me. I'm the greatest wrestler on this friggin' roster. Screw everything else. And if Roddy, you know, showed hesitation, we have the Finn Balor interaction. And then Adam just says, screw it. After he takes out Finn Balor, Roddy hesitates, and he does the exact same thing and, and then grabs the mic and said, Undisputed Ever Era is over. I'm the one who created it. You guys suck. I always held all of you up and throws the mic right at him. And then exits. That's what Adam Cole would do. Exactly. You also managed to not say their names 75 times during that, like, uh, rendition of what you wanted the end of the show to be. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like if if you get advice from someone that's like, if you're hitting on a girl, just make sure you stare in her eyes and say her name. That's how that promo came off. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. Do you want you want a steak dinner, Ashley? <laughs> Should I order for you, Ashley? <laughs> Ashley? <laughs> That's watch it back. <laughs> it's creepy and terrible. Whoever wrote that should be fucking fired. The the actual storyline around it, great. The promos were 
awful. And I know all of those guys are better promos because I've been watching them for like the last 15 years. Especially Cole. My God. One of the best promos in the fucking business. Ugh. All right. Why would well, you look that... at the camera and say Kyle 17 times? All right. I'm, I'm sorry, Dane. I'm just like, look, if you look at it once and you say, Kyle, I'm talking to you. You don't have to repeat Kyle 15 times after that. Fuck. You should have been like, I don't like you, Kyle. <laughs> All right. <laughs> NXT was, was, was good in certain parts. In other parts, like a lot lately, it was definitely down. It's starting to become, I'm just going to be honest with you, SmackDown is my favorite WWE show. It's just usually put together and easier to watch from start to finish. The match quality I will always give to NXT, and their pay-per-views for TakeOver I will definitely give them. Them and New Japan are both up there as my favorite pay-per-views uh, when it comes to wrestling, but I don't know, man. It's not well-written anymore. I, I would agree with you on uh, SmackDown is my probably my favorite show to watch right now because there's a lot of shit on uh, AEW I don't necessarily like. Um and uh, uh, yeah, as far as pay-per-views, I, NXT is always the most solid. You're gonna get the most quality matches. No one's gonna fall in any uh, orange juice or anything. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, since you just brought it up, let's go over <laughs> AEW. The last thing we'll cover on this show, uh, our super show coming back. But uh, you know, we first had John Moxley and. I was so confused. It was like you took Dolph Ziggler out of like 2011. Uh, this kid named Ryan Nemeth. I'm just kidding. That's actually his little brother. And my God, looks like him, wrestles like him. I'm looking forward to this kid on this roster. He's right now just being the the fall guy, but I think he has uh, some, uh, you know, he's uh, he's showing something. Um, he apparently doesn't like to get compared to his brother. Dude, you're not helping yourself is all I can say. <laughs> With getting all he's this. Got bleach, he's got bleach blonde hair and pink trunks. What does he fucking expect? <laughs> you literally look out. like 2011 <laughs> Dolph Ziggler. He should come out looking like Raven if he doesn't want to get compared to his brother. <laughs> like, that's that's the actual gimmick. You know what I mean? Like, show up goth as fuck. <laughs> like, I'm Dolph Ziggler's brother. They're like, no way. <laughs> I hope Moxley, after this, text um, Dolph and was like, I just kicked your brother's ass too. And that was it afterwards. That would be kind of funny because Moxley, obviously, when he was Dean Ambrose, had quite a time period with Dolph Ziggler going back and forth for the IC title. But like I said, Ryan's a good in-ring hand. He did exactly like he was supposed to. And Moxley beat the shit out of him. He got the death rider higher elevated almost. I mean, it's, it's like the 1916 mixed with the underhook that he usually does, but, uh, and then cut an awesome promo man and just said, basically he's going to, you know, he lives for this shit that he's addicted to wrestling and he's going to kick Kenny's ass and he's excited about this, this type of stuff that Kenny thinks he's setting a trap for him, but he's actually playing towards his strengths. So yeah, we're going to see these two guys get murdered. Um, I love Noel fully. I forgot what, 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 what Moxley said in this. She said something, he said something on the extent of like, 
what's the repercussions from something like this? And Noel put, well, actually, these are some of the repercussions with like a sad face. And it was all like her dad having burns all down his fucking arm, being stuck in barbed wire, blood everywhere. So I thought that was kind of cute. But um, I love Noel Foley. I think she's great. What did you think about this match? And then mostly, what did you think about Moxley's promo at the end of it? So what's happened with Noelle Foley's wrestling career? Did she just give up on that? Yep. Uh, yeah, fair enough. It's hard. <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> um, can I talk about the match a little bit first? Uh, let me let's yeah. get it off. I love that he started it off going for that high angle DDT that Dolph hits right off the right off the rip, and I think that uh, Dean gave him a decent amount of like offense. And hit him with the Death Rider. And I love the fact that, uh, is it Ryan Nemeth? Yeah. Yeah, the way he took the Brain Buster. He rolled his neck perfectly. It just landed in the center of the ring with the Death Rider at the end. It's good. It's a good little squash match. He looked good in that match. Dude, as far as defensiveness and taking moves, is there something in the Nemeth's, like, their their fucking water they drink? Because... I mean, you can say what you you can about Dolph Ziggler. He's one of the best sellers in the industry, and his brother. Oh well, good. <laughs> best sellers. I don't, I don't know. I don't know about that. Oversellers, maybe. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, yeah. but sometimes it's it's pretty good. Yeah, he can oversell. Yeah, no, he looked really good in this match. I've only seen him. Um, he's been on AW one other time, and I saw him on Dark. A uh, clip from Dark. It's pretty good. The only reason I even looked up the dark clip that he had was because uh, Dolph Ziggler's just shit talking on Twitter, which is hilarious. <laughs> He's like, I don't know who you are. <laughs> it's really, it's it's pretty great. What is, it, what is his name? The Holly, Hollywood Bombshell or something? Yeah. Or is, it's something ridiculous. And they're both from like Hollywood, like. Dolph is booked from Hollywood, Florida, not Hollywood, California. So it's it's a weird one. Um, but yeah, no, I thought this was a good opening match. Obviously, Ambrose after or not Ambrose, Mr. Moxley cut a crazy man promo after this, and it was amazing. So what do you think about that promo itself? Uh, it was, I wanted him to get a little bit more crazy, but it was, it was really, really well done as far as, uh, he just kept going back to certain elements and he's like, uh, talking about the, the ropes and, and I don't, I don't even know how to explain it. I just have to listen to it again, but there was sustenance there, I guess. (laughs) I don't know. Well, the, I mean, the, the the fact that he told Kenny, you know, you think that you're you're making a trap, but you realize you're you're kind of catering to my strengths, and you could do whatever. You can throw out whatever match. I'm addicted to this. I'm addicted to wrestling. Like, yeah, he's fucking that, great on the mic. Yeah, he was like, I'm addicted to this. I'm addicted to wrestling. I'm addicted to pain, basically. But later on in the show, Kenny Omega's like, are you? <laughs> Which is really great in the uh, workshop scene, which we'll get to later, I guess. I mean, we can kind of talk about it now because that was pretty fucking funny just to kind of wrap it up. But um, 
Yeah, so Kenny's in a shop making some type of industrial thing that he's going <laughs> to use in the match to take out Moxley. And that was his I'm response pretty, towards it. I'm pretty sure one of the guys were the good bro- one of the good brothers. I can't I, I think one might have been Carl Anderson, but there's like just sparks flying and shit going everywhere. And uh is it is it Marvell is there? He's like, Hey Kenny, and he has this like huge welding mask on. <laughs> it's just it was so ridiculous that it was perfect. Kenny's like, I'm setting up all the perfect tripwires so that he dies. <laughs> Essentially. <laughs> Now, I have – this is actually something with comedy I have liked. I liked the stuff on the golf course and, you know, Kenny getting distracted and Don Callis putting the ball in for him. I've liked a lot of stuff they've done. This, But to an extent, it almost seems like Kenny's trying to go for a Bockwinkle or a flare, but as a parody. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like it's not coming out like realistic, like he's trying to go for – you know, it's obvious I am trying to do this style character, which is good and also bad at the same time. And I think Don Callis compliments it to make it flow well, if that makes sense. No, it's perfect. He's a video game bad guy. He's not supposed to make any sense. He's supposed to be fucking ridiculous. I mean, that's the that's Kenny Omega from Japan. He's he's that guy. I mean, like any of the Yakuza games, any of the bad guys, that's Kenny Omega. That's like what he does. It's that to the like in degree. He's supposed to be ridiculous. Like, um, I don't know if that does that make sense at all. Like, no, it definitely makes sense. I'm just saying, like, even if you apply it wrestling. You know, especially the golf course thing. I'm trying to remember one of the other segments that kind of have that type of the the last one in the in the shop was was over the top. I've never seen anyone do that. But he is kind of inhabiting kind of like a flare, but instead Flair believed he was Flair. Kenny seems like if not doing necessary Flair, but like that type of villain to ten, but he's obviously going for that. Like he's trying to go for over the top. If the, like you well, said, that's a video what I'm saying. Is like, uh, yeah, he's like he's a video game character. He's ascended any other person. He's just out there. He's just fucking wild. <laughs> so like, he's like, did I make it the hole in one? <laughs> like six minutes later, <laughs> like that shit was funny. Uh, <laughs> it was really funny, <laughs> especially because like Don Callis ran the ball over and put it in the hole. <laughs> And then, then came back to cuss out Alex Marvez. That's just that's all Don Callis, by the way. This is the best Kenny Omega I've seen in a long time, and I really appreciate it because I like good Kenny Omega. I've uh, I've hated on him the past year and a half, but he's he's turning it around. Yep, I agree. All right, so let's uh, let's continue. All right, so Lance Archer and Ray Phoenix were interviewed the week prior and got in a scuffle. Um, essentially, you know, they were they were told they were going to have a match, and Lance Archer said that Ray Phoenix had no chance. Phoenix talked in Spanish uh, about him, and Lance wanted to know what he said, and they started going at it. So that sets up the match for tonight, and then the Young Bucks arrive with their parents. One thing we have to realize, people are calling out, Clothes are the same and whatnot. 
They do two of their fucking shows back to back. This is why Big Show wasn't on the show. Now, they kind of promoted that Big Show was going to, I feel like, but they made the announcement with a live cut that Big Show would be on the next week. They do these back to back. So this was a pre-taped thing. That's why the Young Bucks parents look exactly the same like they did. Like, shit annoys me. It's like, you know, that's how they've been doing it for a very fucking long time. If you don't know it, it's your fault. But anyways, Young Bucks arrive with their parents. Um, and we would see a certain situation of a picture of the two brothers doing their pose with their dad, taking a picture with them that would come back later on. Um, all right, so before we go into it, Chris, uh, all right, so we have Ricky Starks, Brian Cage going against the Varsity Blondes, which is Griff Garrison and Brian Pillman Jr. I I don't know. I, I just wish more, probably because I've watched him before his career even started, when he talked to Stone Cold Steve Austin, he started training with Lance Storm. We eventually see him on MLW in the new version of the Heart Foundation, along with, uh, you know, uh, uh, Davey Boy Smith Jr. and um, Teddy Hart and stuff like that. And gets really established on that, wins the tag belts with, with uh, Davey Boy Smith Jr. He's still on MLW, but the last time we saw him, he got destroyed by Mil Martez. Um and he keeps on eating these pins. I hate to say this, but, you know, I didn't really know Griff Garrison beforehand. Maybe I don't have, like, some hidden concept because of the fact that Brian Pillman Jr. is obviously the son of one of my favorite wrestlers from that era. But uh, my biggest complaint about this match, and it was a pretty damn good match with Ricky Starks and Brian Cage. Brian Cage needs to be a little more careful. He's getting a little sloppy. He did a powerbomb to Pillman. And he was trying to go for, which is just like the buckle bomb, I think just as bad, power bombing against the post, missed the fucking post, and slammed him in the space between the ring and a stair fucking thing. And it just looked sloppy as hell. It looked like it could have punctured the shit out of him. Luckily, nothing happened. And then Pillman takes the win. So I know that this is all stuff that's involved to the next part, along with Sting and Darby. And I thought this was the most exciting thing that Sting and Darby have done thus far, but it's not really saying much. But before we get into all that, why does fucking Brian Pillman Jr. keep on taking the goddamn pins in the tag team? So you mean uh, Starks took the win, right? Who who won the match? Starks was... ended up winning the match. Yeah, yeah he. Yeah, uh... yeah, yeah. Or maybe maybe Brian. Hold on, I'll look it up. I'm sorry. That it doesn't matter. That fucking I... <laughs> whatever. Taz's team. The drill claw. The, the drill claw yes. won the match from Brian Cage. Okay. He fucking. Yeah. And that's another one. It looked like he just dropped his ass. Cage, I've yeah. never thought was unsafe, but my God, he's been kind of sloppy lately. That uh, post spot was very scary just because of how close the steps was, and he did just kind of miss and drop him directly on an angle at those stairs. You weren't the only person that saw that. That was like, holy shit. And you guys let him powerbomb Sting? <laughs> like, <Ugh. laughs> are you serious? <laughs> um, I that was scary. That was a scary spot just because of the way he landed. He landed at an awkward angle. Luckily, he's a young buck. He popped back up and it's fine and then just immediately got killed. Um, what What is Pillman's uh, tag partner's name? Garrison? Griff Garrison. He's got a look. But it's telling that you don't know his name. No, no. He's got a look. Garrison. He's He's got a look. He needs to get away from Brian Pillman's kid. Unless they're going to be a tag team forever, I guess. Um, 
man, what a weird match. I don't know. Ricky Starks ran wild at the beginning, and then they got uh, gave a lot of a lot of offense to Brian Pillman Jr. And then that was kind of the the match up until the post spot you're talking about. God, that was nasty. But um, it, all right. It, so the it, ending. It, it, What's up? I said that was brutal. That's like the worst botch of the entire night on this show, which there's a lot of usually crazy shit happening on AEW. Yeah, it, that was, like I said, that was fucking brutal. But after the match, we have Taz, who was on commentary the whole entire time, you know, talking to shit like, oh, sting on blah, 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 blah. So, you know, doing his thing. Cage is all excited. Ricky Stark's all excited. And then everything goes black. We have a video, and it's one of Darby Allen's videos. But weird enough, Sting is driving a, a vehicle, and it has a person in a body bag tied to the back of it, and he's driving it through what looks like the desert or wherever the fuck they are. And Sting, you know, they, they cut away, and Sting stops it, comes over, opens up the body bag. It's Darby Allen, and Darby Allen smiles. I thought that was actually pretty funny. Then we go to the snow. Sting comes out, and he's got a body bag. And I didn't, I didn't know what they're doing. I was like, okay, well, I guess they're just doing the Darby Allen same thing. No, Hook is in the fucking body bag. Taz starts freaking out, rushes to go help out Hook. Sting walks more towards the ring, and then he points up, Jose Lothario style, WrestleMania 11, fucking Shawn Michaels descending to the ring on a zip line. Darby Allen comes from the the, the 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 bowels of the 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 the, the what you call the the arena and joins Sting in the ring takes out Ricky Starks does a nice little one of his splashes to the outside and then Sting just beats the shit out of Brian Cage cheese chopping him he's you know giving him the stinger splash looks great gives the scorpion death drop and they stand tall and this was the best thing that they've done with them. <laughs> They could have done this weeks ago. There is no reason to prolong this and do the same fucking segment over and over again. And there was also, <laughs> like I said on Tom Clark's main event, if you're going to do a powerbomb spot to Sting, have it mean something. You powerbomb and it goes dark. Why aren't the fucking announcers like, oh, my God, please don't do it. You can't do it. Oh, you know, it should have been bigger. He should have been out for a week. But I digress. The, what they did, that was fun. But this should have happened probably a month ago. Am I wrong for thinking I, that? I, no, you're not wrong for thinking that. If Sting got powerbombed, he should have disappeared through the ring and came back as a majestical unicorn. What are you doing? Don't powerbomb <laughs> Sting. Norwal. All right, I'm going to ask you, did you get teary-eyed when he started throwing chops and threw him into the ropes? You're like, yeah, Stinger Splash coming. <laughs> Because I did. I, saw, I, felt, I felt goosebumps, dude. It was great. Was, bro, he's about to get Stinger Splash so hard. I was so excited. And he hits a big Stinger Splash. He hooks him up. He's like, Stinger Death Drop. Pull. The only thing I wish they would have done is he had put him in the Stinger Death Lock for like six minutes and just looked at Taz like, yeah, son. <laughs> this is what happens. I kidnap your kids and drag them in a car and then pull them back down to the ring. <laughs> Sting is dark, apparently, in AEW. <laughs> now, I love Darby too much. 
I love that Darby came in. I mean, they obviously aren't going to drop anyone from the ceiling, but they gave him the zip line down the ring, Shawn Michaels style. It was cool, man. Like, I, if if you love Sting and you love like that, you're gonna love like love that segment of that match. And and like as soon as it started happening, I was like, oh my god, Darby's he's oh god, he's on the zip line. Oh my god. <laughs> JR was not hyped enough for me during this, by the way. He should have been over 9,000. It's kind of like kind. should have been way more hyped. I just think he's seen the same thing since, like, it's kind of lost its luster, even if they do something completely different like this where it's cool. It uh, sucks because I noticed that, too. I was like, God, I wish JR was more into this, like, building it up. Or Shavani. Tony, or Tony is a, Yeah, Tony's <laughs> more the sting guy, I guess, is what they go for. But they, they get quiet too much a lot of times. They should have been freaking the fuck out when he got powerbombed. Darby slid down through the rafters and nailed the dude with a skateboard, and then Sting came in and just wrecked ass. Like, how are you not hyped? (laughs) I was so hyped. (laughs) It's Uh, amazing. My favorite thing of the entire week. (laughs) So, kind of talking about it to keep up with the concept of itself with Sting, uh, Tony Khan was talking. There was a lot of criticism, obviously, about him Sting taking the powerbomb. And Tony said that he's been completely cleared by several different whatever, the I guess, doctors, whatever the hell they have to do, you know, he's been cleared. And I don't know, like, modern medicine has gotten so good as of recently. People doing stem cells and, and doing the hyperbaric chambers for certain things. That's why Daniel Bryan came back. And that's why Edge came back and Christian. Christian was told if he takes one more bump on his neck, he could be crippled. Austin never really wanted to flirt with it because he's kind of worried about coming back. So that's why he decided not to and just live life, if you will. What I'm saying is even though he's older, I wonder if he's cleared, if that means the street fight. Now, I don't think he's going to fucking do some of the like crazy shit. But if he's able to take bumps more so than beforehand, because beforehand we were hearing, Chris, that Sting's going to be doing just cinematic matches. There's no much, no more besides that, but it seems like he is going to be taking bumps, and I wouldn't be surprised if the street fight actually starts in the ring and it's not cinematic. I wouldn't be surprised at all, and also, uh, maybe he just doesn't want to take bumps for WWE. (laughs) That could be it. That's, I'm going to go on the limb and say that, uh, you know, like what we've seen from uh, Edge and Daniel Bryan, there's a lot of science out there. Maybe he got his deck right. Maybe he just feels good, and he's like, I can take a power bomb. I just can't take a power bomb where some asshole throws me diagonally into a post. Um, sorry, Seth Rollins feels bad. Uh, <laughs> it's like, I don't know, man. He looked he looked really good in that segment. Am I crazy on that? He did. Like, He's gonna, he's gonna fucking hip toss some people. I mean, like it's Sting, right? Like Sting only had like eight moves to begin with. Like, what are you? He's not gonna have a banger of a match unless it's against Ric Flair, which Ric Flair is gonna carry <laughs> the motherfucker, right? Like Sting is gonna do his moves, and as long as Sting shows up and he does his like moves against Brian Cage, you're gonna be like, that was awesome. That's all he has to do. Like, whip him in the post. Hit the stinger splash, you know, short arm clothesline, put him in the in the stinger and deathlock. He gets the ropes, and you're like, oh god, 
so disappointed, then duck under a, a clothesline and then hit the stinger death drop. And you're like, oh, now I got him. And then just put him back in the stinger death lock. That's it. That's all he has to do. And everyone would be like, yeah. oh, my God, did you see Sting in that match? It was amazing. <laughs> the problem is, is like, don't make Sting do too much. <laughs> like, that's yeah. what Darby is for. <laughs> you need to make him the uh, – you need to make him uh, the the Robert Gibson of that match, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, that's all he all he has to do is have the hot tag. That's it, and it's gonna be great, and everyone's gonna pop for it, and people are like, oh my god, Sting is incredible, and that's what WWE should have done. It's just made Sting look incredible instead of had it, having this weird match where they're like. WCW versus DX. It's like no one gives a shit. People just want to see Sting. <laughs> People like Sting more than Triple H. <laughs> well, you know, I I actually like to chime in on that because I don't, you know, I I am the game and uh, you know sometimes when I'm talking to Dad once in a while we talk about this and he tells me shut up. Sorry. I would I would love to get into a bar of all wrestling fans. I'm like, who here likes Sting? Raise your hand. Who here likes Triple H? Raise your hand. I guarantee you Sting will win that bet every time. That's why Sting should have won over in that goddamn match. Motherfucker. Now now I'm getting mad. <laughs> now I'm getting yeah, mad. Yeah, let's not get started. It's always whenever we bring this up, it always just gets me angry and riled up. I either rob myself up or just listen to it. It's like this is bullshit. He didn't get a win. He got title shots, which is great, but it retired his ass. How did he get a title shot? He lost because of NWO? <laughs> Question mark? The know. fuck was that? God damn it. That was the worst book match of all time. You have the you have the chance to bring in the only person that's never worked for your company. You don't put him against Shawn Michaels or The Undertaker. You're a fucking goof. I'm sorry, Vince. You're a goof, dude. Like <laughs> Let's, you had let's, Undertaker go against fucking The Fiend or whatever the fuck, Bray Wyatt <laughs> instead of Sting? You're a goof, dude. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Well, let's take that energy into a, a positive direction while we talk about the interview with Miro, Kip Sabian, and Penelope Ford with Tony Schiavone. <laughs> God. Oh, Lord. So the best man, they're all mad, and, and Tony says that this is awkward, and, and, and Miro's like, why is this awkward? Like, really angry, and Tony's like, well, you know, what happened with the whole wedding and stuff, and goes back to the highlights. Funniest thing that happened in this is Miro called Orange Cassidy a walking Xanax. That was pretty fucking funny. Uh, other than that, this was terrible, and there was a note passed from Orange Cassidy and and uh, Chuck Taylor, who... Miro said many times that he liked the way that Chuck Taylor were, were to clean his shoes and if he would come back and apologize that he'd take him back. There were some funny aspects. I still can't stand this, and now it's I guess it's going to be Orange Cassidy and uh, Chuck Taylor against Miro and Kip Sabian. Um, I'm assuming on a, on a, on a Dynamite. Um, are no, you excited? It's on, it's on, it's on the pay-per-view. Uh, oh, it's Beretta, on Revolution. Yeah, oh, Beretta, Beretta's hurt, so... It is what it is. So they're just gonna throw Orange Cassidy in there, and, and Orange Cassidy is probably gonna get the win on on that. I would assume. I wish he was in a bigger high-profile match. I wish he was just going against Miro, honestly. And you know what? 
I'd have Orange Cassidy fucking squash Miro because what else can you do that's going to fucking destroy this guy? And then I put Orange Cassidy on a Goldberg streak and have him not lose for the next two years. Just beat people in fucking two minutes and just fucking just do that. And like, I, I'm being serious. I am being dead serious. It's exactly what I was, I was doing like, Orange Cassidy. I was like, are you, are you being mean to Orange Cassidy? No, for I'm being I'm, It's getting to the point where he's kind of like a reverse Goldberg anyways. Just fucking have the whole entire dynamic of him beating people in like two minutes like with little effort being used. And have him kill Miro. I'd rather that than this. I don't care about any of this. Like, this is this is dumb. It all sucks. (laughs) You're like, you know, I hated the best friends, but when they were fighting private or pride pride and powerful, that was way cooler than this. Um, yeah, no, I agree with you. That'd be awesome if he's Orange Casty went on Goldberg streak against these nerds specifically. I want to see Orange Cassidy go against Goldberg. Actually, that's what I would want to see. <laughs> Dude, what if Orange Casty's like <laughs> been practicing jujitsu since he's two and he just twists Goldberg? <laughs> he just shoots on him. <laughs> oh man, that's so great. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I heard Jericho choked you out, and then he just chokes Goldberg out. Oh my god, uh, that's uh, sorry. that's so much uh, better. Than this. I can't say bad things about Goldberg. He gets mad and blocks me from Twitter. And punches walls with his head. <laughs> that that's also true. <laughs> I'm just saying. Also, this is not helping, and that this has been kicked into the ground. And a lot of people say that it's a creative that he should turn down. But it sounds like he actually enjoys this. I don't know what the fuck Miro's doing. I don't know the whole note, yes or no, the video game console thing. That's the whole entire start of this stupid feud since he fucking started, which was months ago. And just like some of the comments are funny, like when he called. Orange Cassidy walking Xanax. That that made me giggle. But other than that, it's like we all were like, man, if WWE wasn't holding him back, dot dot dot. And it's like, all right, I don't know. I I, I don't even know anymore. Uh, what's his name? Came up with the Rusev Day part. Um, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna throw my hand up and say WWE didn't hold that guy back. He's just not that good. <laughs> You know, well, let's talk about another wrestler that I absolutely adore. Brandon Cutler went against Jake Hager in a match. Uh, this is Brandon Cutler's noted his first appearance on Dynamite. Friends of the Young Bucks. Those are the first two things said about him. I want you to remember that, everyone. Uh, he was supposed to be on, and I think they mentioned this, but they kind of changed the reason and why. He's supposed to be a part of that big five-on-five match, but it coincidentally was the same time he decided to talk shit about Jim Ross. And uh, Chris Jericho might have actually just told him to fuck off from it. But, um, you know, he went against Jack, Jake Hager. Jake gave him way more offense than I think he needed to, which I'm not even a big Hager fan, but he looks believable and he comes off intimidating. MMA, all that jazz. He's also part of the Undisputed Era. Should have just murdered him. Either way, didn't matter. The big thing was Young Bucks come out, Chris Jericho and MJF, you know, they call them out, and then they were on the big screen. They had beaten the crap out of his father. There was ketchup on his head for some reason. I think they were trying to make him a French fry. I'm not 100% sure, but ketchup all over Papa Buck's head. And they smashed his his face 
against a picture. He was taking a picture with his boys, once against Matt, once against Nick, while talking crap to him. And the Upbucks ran the back, uh, trying to find them, and they dipped out and uh, drove off like dastardly heels. Um, I'm going to pass it to you first. I'm curious. What what, did you think about this? My wife was so absolutely pissed about this blood as a special effects makeup artist. She was like, the fuck is that? <laughs> you can it buy blood. It was ketchup. You can buy cow's blood by the gallon at like Aussie Mart or Asian Marks or uh, H Mart. You can buy like full gallons of blood. And dump it on someone, and it'll look more real than that. Like Carrie, like that's what they do with Carrie. That's just like cow's blood. They just like, she was like, that looks like shit. And oh my god, that dude definitely looks like he is their dad. So, hundred percent confirmed, that is the young buck's dad. He looked just so like awkward, you know, right wing Californian with the long hair and shit like that. Um, he looks like he was on tour with like the Eagles in the eighties, not even <laughs> in their good years, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> when part of the band wasn't there. <laughs> like what the fuck was with that hair and the glittery ass shirt? And then you see the young bucks and you're like, no wonder Jim Cornette makes fun of you guys. Like, I'm sorry. Like, y'all uh, the ego, the ego <laughs> there is ridiculous sometimes. It's, it's like and he's like, it's he's like, what kind of weird ass balding is that? You bald from the front in the middle? Like the fuck are you? It's just. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Uh, motherfucker balding worse than the Rock and Roll Express. They should have showed up and hit him with a Canadian destroyer through that trailer. Let's go. <laughs> oh man, that would have been awesome. All right, so the young bucks' father is taken to. Uh, is, is up on the uh, the ambulance when we come back, and then we go to a package about Shaquille O'Neal and how he's going to be there next week uh, with Jay Cargill to go against Cody Rhodes and Red Velvet. Everyone, still a lot of people are still wondering why that's not on the pay-per-view. It's the same night as some type of basketball obligation for the NBA that Shaq has to do. I don't know what exists because I don't watch basketball. Maybe Chris will when he answers. Uh, but the big question is. This is the same night that's been now confirmed Big Show is going to be there. Do you think that is for a reason? Are we going to see Big Show size up Shaq? Because we know that Big Show, Paul White, whatever you call him, the giant, has had a giant boner for the concept of the two of them in an actual match for a very long time. Well, they both, they're good friends, so they both wanted to have a match. But, like, Big Show ain't taking an L to Paul White. Like, or not Big Show. Uh, Shaq ain't taking the L to the Big Show. Like, it just isn't gonna happen, dude. Like, it's it's Shaq. <laughs> like, if you if you say Shaquille O'Neal, more people will know that than the Big Show. So the Big Show will have to just immediately get punched in the face, like he did with Floyd Mayweather Jr., etc. So why even do that? What would be really funny is having him throw, (laughs) like, Cody around the ring, like Andy Kaufman style. Remember Andy Kaufman used to sell so hard for Jerry Lawler? Just do that with (laughs) – make him a monster. (laughs) You know what I mean? 
I because- could see possibly next week. I don't know if you feel the same way. Something where Cody comes out and says, I, I believe that Cody was nursing something. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I remember hearing that. I could be wrong. But if Cody comes out and he's like, ah, you know, like kind of like what Paul Pierce did against Roman Reigns and got Kevin Owens to come out. Like, I don't know. In, instead, I got blah, blah, blah to come out. And then Big Show comes out and that's the tag team next week. And that leads up to some other built match one-on-one between the two. I just don't think it's going to be a good match at all. So but I don't I mean, know. Is it worth so, it? Can you work so, it? Flip your name down, flip it, and reverse it. It's your fin and nip it twice yet. Yeah. <laughs> or Missy Ellie. A-town down, y'all. <laughs> no. Um, Sorry. So... Shaq has been practicing the mixed martial arts, so I feel like he actually wanted to try to do some kind of wrestling match. If you've watched the sh- the Shaq show that sometimes come comes on after AEW, um, man, him versus the Big Show, I don't know. That's just weird, right? He's bigger than the Big Show. I know. That's what people don't understand is like Shaq is bigger than the Big Show. So it doesn't make wrestling look good. Like, do, do, like it'd be more fun to have like him throw Cody Rhodes into the ropes a bunch. All right, I have a great idea. You have a two-on-one match. On one side is Big Show and uh, and Shaquille O'Neal. On the other side is Orange Cassidy, and he beats both of them. He pins one on top of the other. That this one's actually a joke, Chris. <laughs> You could do that. Big Show and Shaq. <laughs> He's got to get Orange that Cassidy. heat. Hold on. Oh, my God. Jim Cornette would the fuck dark you. Just... Order. <laughs> See, that's oh. how you do the celebrity match, because no one's going to care if they lose. Like, if Dark Order loses. You know what I mean? Like, you send 10 guys out there, and Shaq and Big Show are just punching them all in the dome. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. I, they fucked themselves into this Shaq thing. That's that's on TNT. That's all on them. <laughs> Makes no sense. All right, let's move on because we'll talk about this weird shit forever. Uh, even though I enjoy it sometimes more. Um. All right, so we have Isaiah Cassidy going against Hangman Adam Page. Uh, you know this was set up due to Matt Hardy getting screwed by Page switching out the contracts, and now they're going to be having a match at Revolution where their first month's pay uh, will be given, or maybe the first three months, I don't remember exactly, uh, will be given to the other person, um, and vice versa. Really, really intelligent for Paige to get him locked up in that contract, and then because the heel tells you, you'll never do this, you actually go with it and then screw yourself in the process, but I guess he is the dumb baby face in all this. Uh, I can't remember for the life of me. But I mean... But not by the end, though. What? Well, he wasn't a dumb baby face up? by the. But not by the end, though. He was smart baby face. He's got his boys, the Dark Order. That's a good point. There is that. I don't. I honestly, Chris, I can't remember this match at all. Um, I know the Dark Order came in at the end of it. Uh. And I know it that was a really, really good fucking match. I know um, Adam Page won. I just can't remember the details of this match because I haven't seen it since Wednesday. 
they bounce off the ropes a lot in this match and they utilize the outside and in the uh, beginning of the match hangman isolated um uh isaiah right mm-hmm. he he isolated isaiah outside um hard camera right because they focus on the stage so hard camera right he isolated him and he kept shrugging off matt so matt kept going back and going back and then he finally got caught by matt eventually and then um dark order showed up and they were like hey he cheated and aubrey was like get the fuck up out of here and she threw the arms but somehow left that team with the xbox logos on their legs what is that team called the team with the Xbox logos on their legs? Yeah, yeah, black and green. What are, what are they called? That tag team that just jobs to everybody. Oh, um, uh, and Helico and, and Hel- uh, yeah, and Helico. And I can never remember. <laughs> yeah, so Xbox team, they just stood there for a while, and uh, yeah. So, anyways, Hangman, they they brutalized Hangman's arm for a while. They just they beat on Hangman's arm. He got caught in a post and. He overcame. He hit the uh, not the buckshot. What's his other move called? Where he like? Uh, it's basically an Alabama slam. I can't remember. So he hit an Alabama slam and got the pin. He won. It was a good match. It was really. And good then match. the Dark Order got into it with Matt Hardy afterwards, and uh, they, the Dark Order page got the upper hand. Right? Yeah, they threw they threw five or ten through a table. And Hangman was like, oh, George's no. George's my... Allen Angels, by the way. <laughs> so they're on wrestling. Hangman just looked. He was like, oh, no, my friend. <laughs> oh my Which God. is still pretty great. <laughs> so that's all that happened in that match. That was, I mean, it was a good match. Definitely watch that one. There was some good wrestling in that match. And yeah, some I'd good. to rewatch it. Yeah, that was, that was a good. That was probably the best match on this. Sh- well, second best match on the show. All right, so uh, we already talked about that whole entire thing with Tom Callis and Kenny Omega and him making the contraption against Moxley. Um, let's get to the this one kind of – I don't know why it got to this this early, but the AEW Women's Title Eliminator Tournament, we ended up with Nyla Rose going against Dr. Britt Baker. I guess I didn't realize that that could have been a possibility sooner uh, in the uh, bracket system itself, but um, – I didn't like the outcome of this, uh, especially since there was two false finishes back-to-back from both of their moves. They both got out of it. I I don't know why Britt didn't win this. Um, I thought it was a pretty good match uh, in, in, in certain parts. I liked how, due to the fact that fucking Nyla Rose is a monster and big, you know, the biggest thing that Britt Baker had for her, her... Um, you know, cross-face, uh, mandible claw combination. Uh, she couldn't get around it. She couldn't fucking get it. And that kind of helped out Nyla Rose win the match, even though Britt Baker had Rebel for distractions and whatnot. I just... I wouldn't have had Britt Baker lose this thing at all. I've been saying that she should win it the whole entire fucking time. Definitely wouldn't have had her lose this, this soon into it. And I definitely wouldn't have put her against this dominant performer this soon into it. So I, I don't know. I thought this was fucking weird. And at the end of it, I was like, wow. So Britt Baker's out of this. Gotcha. What'd you think? Well, to be fair, Aja is also out of it. Yeah. Which makes, which makes no sense. Right. No. Um, 
Uh, it was fine, except for she forgot to sell her shoulder at the end with those power bombs. Because the entire thing was Britt Baker was working on the arm the entire match, and then she just fucking forgot about it at the end. She was like, oh, I'm just going to toss her a bunch. It's fine now. Because the entire match was uh, built around Britt working that one shoulder, and then she didn't even sell it, which is, that's bad. Always looks like shit. Yeah, I, I just, I didn't like the outcome. I didn't agree with it. I think that Britt should have been in it longer. I think Nia should be in it as long as she is. But uh, let's find out the brackets as as of uh, it, now what they are. It's, it's going to be Thunder Rosa getting this title, right? I don't know, because I think Thunder Rosa is going against Rio next. Do you think that Rio's going to lose to Thunder Rosa? I 100% think, unless they're fucking on crack. Rio should lose to Thunder Rosa. That should be a very good match, but like. But Thunder Rosa, remember, is NWA. She actually is affiliated with NWA, not AEW, and Rio was the first AEW Women's Champion. I'm just wondering how Tony Khan thinks about it, which sometimes I don't think a lot of that concept at all. But I mean, I think that he thinks the NWA is not a thing, so he sh- he should probably give. <laughs> I'm I would, sorry. I, I like. I want to know, message me if you think Rio is like, should be champ at Chris Arpad on Twitter, like <laughs> over. And over you're a huge Rio fan, even more than I, me, I would say. I love Rio. I think Rio is great. I think she's had some great matches. I thought she had a really great match, uh, not this week, but last week in that tournament. Like she's, uh, who she, um, Serena Deeb's. Her and Serena Deeb's yep. match was, like, really fucking good. Probably the best match on that entire show. It's nothing against her in-ring skill, but she's not Thunder Rosa. There's not there's not that charisma there unless you're just into tiny Asian girls, which is a different, like, conversation for a different day. Like, it's, <laughs> it's a weird conversation to have. All right, I'm trying to – I think I found it finally. It fucking takes forever. No, I want to be able to – okay. So, yeah, Thunder Rosa and Riho. Uh, Britt Baker lost to to uh, Nyla Rose. Wait. Did that happen because Anna Jay got taken away from it? So did Ty Conti yeah, even... Anna... Oh, that's right. So that's because I watched that match. Nyla Rose beat Ty Conte, and then Britt Baker got a bye because Anna Jay was taken out of the tournament. Then she just lost, so it's going to be... On the U.S. side, at least, uh, probably Nyla Rose going against whoever wins between Thunder Rosa and Riho. Um, Which so you'd be ha- setting up Riho versus Nyla Rose again, but then Thunder Rosa, that's going to be cool, it, too. Yeah, it's just got to be Thunder Rosa. It really does. They signed her. Like, I know she had an NWA deal, but they signed her. She's she's AEW now. It'll be interesting to find out who which way they go with that. Uh, I want Thunder Rosa to win. I don't know. I mean, I'm fine with at least making the finals. I, I, the The obsession with Japanese female wrestling on AEW when NWA wrestling has been their most popular thing is kind of odd. Not yeah, let's think about this. Uh, <laughs> Allison K, Thunder Rosa, 
Serena Deep have all worked out extremely well with you. And one of them you actually got under contract for sure, at least with Serena Deep and Thunder Rosa most likely as well. So why wouldn't – and not only that, hey, they're doing partnership with arguably after NXT the best women's division in wrestling, I would say, unless you're not – if you're not counting Japanese in America at least with Impact. They're fucking filled with people. Yeah, so, Jordan Grace, yeah. etc. I love Jordan Grace. She the best. Um, I mean, even if you go, if you, if you want to pull more people from stardom, yeah, I mean, you still have Leva Bates and uh, yeah. God, who, there's so many people you can pull over that are either English or American or Japanese. It's uh, I like what they've set up, but if they just like. If it's not Thunder Rosa as the champion, are you going to be satisfied? No. That's definitely the person I want to have it. Yeah, I mean, like... Either her or Britt Baker, honestly. And Britt Baker's now out. Yeah, she's out, so it's got to be Thunder Rosa. So, I I mean... if If you can set up a good argument for any of those other challengers winning the title, that's good. But, man, you can't just have, like, we won the Japanese tournament, so I, I win the title because Kenny Omega is champion. You can't. You can't do that. Yeah. I don't know. It's uh, it's interesting. All right, let's get down to, I think, the last match. Oh, no, no, no. We had a uh, promo hyping up FTR and Jurassic Express. They're going to be going against, I can't believe FTR is going to be the two guys, you know, Scott Dawson, Cash Wheeler, uh, going with Tully Blanchard against Marco Stunt, uh, Jungle Boy, and Luchasaurus. I did not know this going into this promo. So when they announced that Tully, after, you know, being out of wrestling for however long, um, is now going to be coming back in the ring at his age. All right, I guess this will be fun. This will be just like a little... They have to fucking win it. Please, if Marco Stunt fucking pins Tully Blanchard or either other member of FTR, I swear to God, I'm going to do a backflip into a bunch of thumbtacks. What what the fuck do you think is going to happen with all this? Chris, you're muted if you didn't think you are. Dude, Tully is just gonna. I, Tully's gonna win the match. He's gonna do the the roll up on uh, Marco stunt. Marco is probably gonna run wild, hit a bunch of people, and then Tully will be like, "Oh, here's the crooked roll up with the the with the the pants or the tights." I hope so. I hope he makes them bleed. I hope he busts open Marco's stunt. <laughs> I mean, if I was doing it, Tully would just punch Marco's stunt in the face and. And Marco Stunt's not a participant of the match. <laughs> and then Manny Fernandez shows up, and he's the other tag partner. He's like, I'm here. <laughs> oh, man, now what happened? Oh, man. He's like, I heard, I, heard, I heard Tully found Jesus now. I'm Manny Fernandez. <laughs> I'm going to show him the devil. <laughs> Oh, God. That's All right. Really, well, it's really funny if you've seen the Mini Fernandez shoot videos. If not, <laughs> you will be lost. 
<sighs> All right. Well, anyways, anyway. uh, we had the uh, winner advancing to the Revolution ladder match. Lance Archer, Ray Phoenix. And, um, yeah, from what I remember, there was a lot of chaos going on at the same time. Unfortunately, I only got to watch this show once, which I usually like to watch AEW at least twice, um, especially when we do these shows. So I'll have to do that next time for sure. There was so much going on with both screens with a big fucking scary guy being up a luchador that I don't remember exactly each big thing from both shows. Uh, I don't know if you noticed that when I was covering the Karrion Cross versus um, what you call it, Santa Cuscar <laughs> match. But, uh, yeah, I know it was a fun match. I know there was a bunch of craziness. Maybe I'll let you go first so you can refresh my memory on some of the details of this match. Uh, ending, Lance Archer won the match. I do know that. I love Lance in the ring, Chris. I, uh, you can obviously tell he was very influenced stylistically by the undertaker he said that many a times um that's why he does the they, they can call it the don jardine which is who the spoiler is who invented the old school maneuver that undertaker did they can say that because they really can't say undertaker but he does that whole entire thing transitioned it to a moonsault um basically a scorpion death drop i love that move Should, he should kind of hide it though not do it every single time i think he does that the choke slam uh, and also his dive to the outside, all fucking Undertaker. But uh, Lance Archer won, and then he kind of helped his little buddy up and gave him a fist bump. I thought that was kind of weird. I don't know if I would have done that. I kind of said that earlier. But what did you think about this match, uh, the ending, all that stuff? I didn't like the fist bump at the end. Um, I love the in-ring work, with uh, specifically with Phoenix trying to take out his D early on um, and, and trying to – find ways to wear him down. And there's a specific uh, point where, God, it was towards the end of the match, honestly, where um, Murderhawk puts him on the top rope and Phoenix grabs his arm and does, uh, like, not an arm bar, but like a wrist hold and starts to walk the rope. And they do this uh, big ass, oh, my God, what is it called? The... um, Spanish fly off the top rope, and you're like, oh my god, people's bodies aren't meant to move like that, especially if you're no. the size of Lance Archer. <laughs> and it, that was incredible. There's there's a lot of good spots in the match, and just a really well-worked match, because the entire time you had Phoenix just trying to beat on Archer's knee and leg, and then Archer just finally got him and just like, nope. Nope. And then he picked him up and he hit the, uh, what I call the reverse razor edge. You know what I'm talking about? Cause he flips them the other way. So they go face first. Yeah. Which is actually kind of safer than going back first. <laughs> Cause you know where you're going to land. So he like, he flipped him up, hit him with that, pinned him. Um, no Jake Roberts though. Well, he got a lot out last time. You know, he he did that clothesline, the the short-arm clothesline last week. Oh, my God. Save up some energy. We didn't get to talk about the, oh, my God, he did short-arm clothesline the shit out of that guy. He stiffed him so hard. Good job, Jake. That was awesome. It was amazing. (laughs) Sorry for whoever. I can't remember who took it. It feels bad. But... Man, that was that was great. I thought that was an amazing match. Um, 
that was my match of Wednesday night. I don't know if it was your match of Wednesday night, but the uh, that finisher he has, that weird reverse razor edge where he throws him face first in the T pose, like crucifix pose, is so devastating. But it's also so much safer than like what the actual razor's edge is. It's great. Yeah, man. I had fun with AEW this week. They continue to be normally my favorite show of the week. Usually that and SmackDown. NXT is not too far after that. I need to get more. I watched a little bit of MLW. Um, I actually was not a big fan of the Filthy Island thing. kind of came off more <laughs> like, uh, like um, what the fuck's the thing the Good Brothers are doing? Oh, um, God. Talk that, Chop Mania. Yeah. Um, filthy, I, filthy Island. But also, that seems like stuff he would do in character. And also, do you want to question Filthy Tom Lawler? I don't, but I'm questioning him now. So, I am. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> Impact, I All haven't right. been watching as much, but I've liked, I liked seeing uh, Juice Robinson and, and Dave Finley show up on that show uh, as a tag team at the last pay-per-view. I like that. You know, we still have AEW guys coming in and out. Um, interesting stuff. Uh, I'm trying to think of like anything outside of what's going on. I think we've t- I think we've covered everything, Chris. I think we've had a long show. What do you think? Should we wrap the show up? We should. Naito's coming to America. Beware. Uh oh. Uh oh. L I J is coming. L I J is coming. Naito don't got nothing to do. Whew! You better be scared. I want to see him. I want to see him. I want to see him go after Moxley, man. I want to see Naito go after everyone. No, I, I have no insider information. I'm just. It would be awesome if that happened. Right. Oh man, I thought that was happening. What the fuck is wrong with you? God damn. Well, guys, first show back. I think we gave you a banger. Three hours, thirty-nine minutes of just pure wonderful content. And we do this every Saturday. We record usually in the morning. We usually have the show out Sunday, Monday at the latest. And uh, if you're a new listener, definitely keep on checking us out, all the old listeners. Thanks for coming back. We're going to have a lot more content going forward. Check out Tom Clark's main event, like I said. Um, big RIP to the question mark. Chris, say goodbye to all the lovely people out there. Goodbye to all the lovely people out there. Um, RIP Josephus. Send good vibes to your family and your friends. And uh, if you guys want to talk to me, separate this. Hold on, give it a second. If you guys want to talk to me, give me a Chris R. Patton on Twitter, Christopher.R.Patton on Facebook, or at Chris R. Patton on uh, Instagram, I guess. I can take pictures sometimes. Um, also, if you like hockey, skates throats, check it out. It's a cool show. It's on Geek Vibes. Yeah, and you guys can get me at Danels42 on Twitter. Message me. We'll have a conversation about wrestling. And if it turns into an argument, it's usually your fault. Just kidding. <laughs> Anyways, uh, and you can find me at Danels on Facebook. I also go to Geek Vibes Nation on all of our platforms, social media. We're on Twitter. Uh, we are definitely on Instagram and at Facebook. If you join the Facebook page, we can have some conversations on there about wrestling. And uh, like I said, check out our new articles Uh, from Tom over on Geek Vibes Nation so you guys can get some wrestling information from a damn good writer. Um, And, yeah, all of our uh, audio 
stuff like all of our downloads uh, for our podcasts are displayed on all of your major platforms. Uh, so go just search on Google Wrestling Geeks Alliance, and from there you'll find different stuff from iTunes, Spotify, what have you. You can find us. Just search us on any of those things. Go to geekvibesnation.com for all of our great articles, geekvibesnation.com. Join the conversation. Be a part of Geek Vibes Nation. Got a lot of stuff coming out for you guys. We're coming back with a bang. Thank you so much. Ain't no thing but a chicken wing. No, that's not how I'm going to end it. You guys have a good one. Peace out. And let the Geek Fives be with you.